Hello and welcome to the In The Can podcast. My name is Devin and I'm here with... James. And... Tom. And we're still, all as always, sitting in a basement pretending that we're, you know, slightly important. <laughs> and knowledgeable. Yeah. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing... Actually, I'm doing pretty damn good. Cool. Yeah, I'm doing great myself. Cool. I'm no longer sick. Woo! For the most part. Kind of sick. I might cough into the mic. I'll try to not directly <laughs> cough into the mic. He's downgraded from sick to dying. So yeah, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. That's our theme this week. Well, it surprisingly is. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I, I, I legitimately didn't even mean that. Yay! Yay Foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, before we jump into our list, uh, we do have to go over this weekend. Um, not a whole lot came out. Wonder Park and Captive State. And uh, five feet apart. Speaking of dying, um, <laughs> uh, those are the only ones we did forget to mention. Five feet apart. I, I am probably going to see that. I, it's just one that I'm interested in seeing, but kind of forgot it was coming up. So, even though this is going up later, we can pretty much assume Captain Marvel is going to sweep it in again. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I saw that again this week. Yeah, same here. It's, it's better the second time through. Yeah. Once I you know, need to watch it the first time. Once you know what's coming, it's better the second time through. So, yeah. what else did we see? Um, I actually saw Captive State on oh. Thursday night. How, How was, was it? it? Um, it was different. I think that it's definitely worth seeing at least once. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Uh, I really well, liked it, though, um, in the fact that uh, it kept you kind of sitting there going, well, where is this really going? And... How does it fit into the whole alien thing that's going on? Um, it felt much more like this secret police investigating like terrorism and rooting out evil kind of thing. And it was, there's a lot of subtle hints towards ideas that come up later on in the film that you're just sitting there going, that can't, why is that in, oh... Wow, that was really important. I, why didn't I pick up on that before? So, almost a crime drama mystery? Kind of. Set within a uh, resistance to alien invasion and overtaking. You play XCOM. Well, yeah, but it's not You play like, XCOM. You might live, though. But that's the thing. Where, like <laughs> the, the alien presence is more of a... We're here, but you don't get to see who we are type setup. Okay, interesting. So you'd, you'd recommend at least a watch? Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. It was John Goodman's performance in it was awesome. <laughs> and I'm blinking because uh, for whatever reason I can't think of it. Me if it was too. either Vera Farmiga or it was uh, Catherine Wig. Doesn't matter. Who played uh, in the part. And then I don't know the two young men who play the brothers who are like the primary people in the film. Um, but they did an awesome job. So I will. I might have to check that out at some point. Then. Yeah, it's Vera Farmiga. Thank you. It's also <laughs> the main main character from uh, Moonlight. Yeah. Oh. The the middle storyline character. Okay. But yeah, so definitely we're seeing. Um, and then I also saw finally uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. What do you think? Um, I really liked it. Um, I did have some problems with it, but that's because I was expecting seeing a lot more when I initially saw the movie coming out to seeing more about like the life. the life of and how certain things came about versus well song 
some little stuff in between song. The biggest complaint I've heard about it is in that vein, in that it just plays like a long string of music videos. It plays like a greatest hits album instead of like showing off the different albums that those greatest hits came. However, I did like the fact that there's a couple of points where there's stuff going on in the background that alludes to other songs that they've done. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a party that goes on at uh, Freddie Mercury's um, mansion, and there's a couple of women riding stationary bikes, (laughs) very scantily clad. And I'm like, okay, bicycles, but they're not naked. Mm, Okay. (laughs) There's always so much they can do. Well, I mean, yeah, because it, 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 it was PG-13, right? It was a slap in the face. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was a PG-13 film. It's PG-13. So th- that would have made it an R-rated film right there. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, nudity. Right. Maybe, unless you're James Cameron. Well, yeah, because James Cameron is the golden child and can get away with anything. Paints them blue. Yeah, he paints them. <laughs> if you cover them with body paint. I wasn't paint. even thinking of that. I was thinking Titanic. No, I know exactly well, yeah. what you were thinking of, but it also, <laughs> it also makes it funny. If it's just boobs, it's okay. <laughs> Good. Time to take off the top. Uh, As for me, again, in that kind of vein of I've been watching a lot of movies lately, I saw Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay. Guy Ritchie's first film, I want to say. Or at least the biggest, the the one that got him into it. I'm not sure if that Snatch was first. No, I I do know Lock, Lock, Stock Stock was first. Which I still need to see Snatch. And what do you think? uh, I enjoyed it for the most part, but I don't know. There's just a couple points where it's like, I'm not sure if I just had found it hard to follow or if the humor wasn't quite hitting me in the right the tone. Accent? The accent kind nope. of makes it... The tricky. accents were fine. I'm talking right. about like Rory Breaker. Okay. That character I just didn't care for. Okay. But other than that, no, I, I highly enjoyed it. And it, considering how low budget it is, very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I saw was uh, Boondock Saints. Okay. Didn't I, care mm, for it. Really? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Boondock my sister loves Boondock it. Saints. I actually do like the Boondocks, but uh, that's a whole other issue. That's a whole different show. But yeah. I, my sister loves it. I I found it really hard to identify with the, the main characters. <clears throat> it would there. I did not care for their philosophy or justification. All right. For the most part, and Rocco was a tit. <laughs> but it was also this separate of that. It was weird seeing uh, Norman Reedus look so young. <laughs> Yeah, Norman Reedus he keeps is popping faced. up and stuff. He's he is. in Mimic. He was in uh, another movie that we referenced last week, uh, Pandora. I think. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a guest star on that. He is baby faced in Boondock Saints. Oh yep. my god. Yeah, yeah same and, with Mimic. He was like, it was like, damn. Yeah, and hearing him it. and hearing him with that old Irish accent was. It was weird. him and what Sean Patrick Flannery. Yes, it was. And honestly, I kept watching the movie to see what Willem Dafoe would do. <laughs> right. Because he was a gem. And always is. Him and then uh, who played the father again? I don't remember. I know who you're talking Oh, no, Bill Con- uh, Billy Connolly. Yeah, Billy Connolly, yeah. In one of the few dramatic ones that he's done. But, like I said, there were certain parts that were enjoyable. Like I said, Willem Dafoe is a treat. And just the most abusive bastard ever. <laughs> but, eh, I wouldn't watch it again, really. Yeah. And then I saw all three of the Ip Man movies. And? Or I should say... I've watched all of the fights and a decent amount of the actual movie. So you watch the movies. <laughs> yeah. I will say, the first one, I was glad they put on again. It was pretty good. But, 
like the other two were just and I felt they had weaker stories, but they kept getting pro- progressively better fights. Yeah, there are like the three one-on-one fights in the third it man. Oh my god, they are yeah. amazing the, against the Thai, the Muay Thai fighter uh, against Mike Tyson, and then at the end against the other Wing Chun practitioner. Oh my god, those all three of those fights were amazing. Only part that made me weird that I found weird was when uh, the Wing Chun guy he blinds Donnie Yen and then he's able to move back via the sounds of where the punches are going. He basically he's blind fighting when that's never been yeah a step. That was the only thing that was kind of like okay I can buy it but what other than that no and and of course one of the most iconic scenes in the first movie where he's just beating the ever loving shit out of ten Japanese practitioners over basically a stand of it's like okay you did this to to a friend i'm gonna show you why you why you fucked up yeah i enjoyed it man i like the sequels uh personally i prefer grandmaster uh zhang yamo's version kind of the same story that came out i believe between two and three yeah it was right around the same time as uh, man with the iron fist yeah the first i i genuinely liked grandmaster um, but I think Donnie, Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen. I think Donnie Yen was great. He's as amazing. Yeah. The rest of the movies are other than the fight scenes are kind of just okay. I, I don't know. I really liked so. all three of the films. Yeah. Um, I've well, seen... there's also a prequel and there's another one coming out. Yeah. So I've seen the prequel. I wasn't overly fond of I've that I've seen one. them all. I can't remember which and one's which. then I wasn't uh, as Grandmaster was good for a completely different reason. Um, yeah. I thought it was just a great martial arts film. Yeah. Um, but I preferred the Ip Man series. Like, a, um, like I like Ip, I think Ip Man one and Grandmaster are both really good. One, Two, three, I, again, prequel. one I completely I watched mm-hmm. one again with really no problem. Yeah. Two and three, you can easily fast forward to see the fights and a little bit of a build up towards the fights and more or less get the entire yeah. story. Well, see, I found that the actual story that was going on that was going be going on beyond just like the fighting parts was very interesting to me um i'm especially what was going on with him and his family his wife in particular um with her getting sick and eventually dying from cancer spoiler but whatever it came out years ago couple yeah and that's well that's the difference between us like you i'm glad you got invested in it and loved it me I don't mean to deride it. It was well done, but I, I kind of fast forward. Oh look, soap opera bullshit. Eh. Again, it was well done. It was very tastefully done, especially the part where he's dancing with his wife instead of going to the fight. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. He doesn't give a shit. He wants to be with his wife. They were well done. On the whole, I'm watching it for the fight scenes, which were amazingly choreographed. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think Donnie Yen was most of it. Maybe some. No, I things. think I think it was a, I think it was a duo, kind of like the Raid movies. Okay. So. But I, I don't know. All I know is, is I thought that the fight scenes were it's probably fantastic. Some, uh, you and Wo, yeah. you, you and Wo Ping, who did the Matrix and Crouching yeah. Tiger, and that sounds about right. Yeah, it's like there's a, a couple there's stuff. a couple moments where it's like okay, you couldn't really do that. As well as the fact that it is it is to glorify quotes uh, Wing Chun. So obviously he's winning, but they definitely do not underrepresent. A Any lot of the other ones, now. no. They yeah. they put up a damn good fight, especially uh, Tyson's boxing. That man is a beast, and they show it. Yeah, and uh, even in the first one, 
No, second one, sorry. When he's going up against oh, the, the twister? Uh, the twister. I will for give boxing. It, I will give it this. That man is a looks like a jacked up monster and he fights like Um it. he reminded me very much of the real fighter, the bear. Um I can't remember his actual name, but he was known as the bear. Uh if you've seen the movie Cinderella Man. Um, oh, yeah. He was the guy that Russell Crowe's character ends up going up against. He was known for hitting guys so hard in the head that he separated their brain from their skulls and oh. killed them. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a regular thing for him to have killed multiple people in the ring by hitting Jesus. them so hard in the head with a single blow. Yeah, I, I, I won't lie. I definitely felt that. It's like, how are you getting up, you tiny Chinese man? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And you could see, like, the cool thing was, is too, is... Um, the fighter that met him in Fochan uh, in the first film. Oh, Jin. Jin, who came back in the second film. I like that. It was I, a little stupid, but it's like, whatever. It it's was, kind of funny. but I'm like, at the same time, I was like, well, that's cool. Like, he, like, grew up, got a family, and learned that he, learned. <laughs> he didn't have to be such an enormous prick in order to do things. So, yeah. I thought on it was the cool. whole, On the whole, I'd recommend him, especially for, sure. for the choreography and fight scenes. For sure. Yeah. Other than that, just pretty standard fare. Yeah. All right. Anything else this week, or just? I think that was it. Yeah, that that's about it. I'm the one with the most movies now. What's going on, guys? Three. Step up well, your game. <laughs> first off, I saw Captain Marvel again. Uh, oh yeah, my girlfriend. Uh, we both liked it. I liked it a lot better the second time. It mm-hmm. does hold up, you know, through multiple viewings. That's good. Um, I decided to just randomly pick a movie off of Netflix, and I ended up with a movie called Truth or Dare. Uh, oh, that sounds painful. Well, there was the one that came out two years ago called Truth or Dare. That's not say. this. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> That's not this. This is a really ridiculously low budget Truth or Dare from 2017. Holy crap. Uh, how, bo- how bad? Well, first off, they all decide to write the dares down on pieces of paper, and then they draw, and it's, put your hand on the stove. It's like, well, that's, I'm not doing that. None of them wrote it, and then it's like, well, you have a minute, or it's going to happen to you anyway. So it, the, the guy's like, well, I'm not going to do it, and then he ends up somehow ending up doing Wait, it anyway. What? Is it a final destination of stupidity? It's a haunted house mixed with truth or dare. It's really fucking So, stupid. yeah, it's stupid final final destination. So let me, let me give you some hypotheticals <laughs> here. It ends up with only two people still left alive, the others being killed in stupid ways. The final one is they have seven minutes to cut off seven living body parts. Two girls. The first thing they do is pull out an eyelash. It seems to be fine. There's no backlash to that. Oh, okay. That works. The next thing they do is pull out a hair. Okay, that works. Cool. They then pull a nail off, yeah. And of course, being all of a sudden a horror movie, they go, let's show pulling off the nail. Okay, so that's now three. I hate those, I hate those. She then tries to cut off part of her elbow, and I'm like, what? Okay, sure. And it says, no, only whole body parts, so that means that the other ones are working. Okay. Yeah, okay. So then they, of course, earlobe. Okay, so that's four. I hate body mutilation. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, well, pinky toe and pinky, okay, so you're at six. Then they cut off a foot. Got it. They're at seven. My question is, why did you not immediately try pulling out one part, one of your eyebrow hairs, two, an arm hair, three, a second eyelash, four, a second strand of hair, uh, five, like, oh, I don't know, any body hair anywhere, 
So basically, or just each of them, seven pieces of hair, boom, done. It never says that they can't repeat. And they're like, the characters are like, we're going straight to body mutilation. Yeah, like we know exactly how to beat this. We can we can work around this. We can split up drinking the Windex and Coca Cola with all of us. It's like yeah, they they do it really well, and then they get to a point where they're like, we need to cut off body parts. It's like, just pull out your eyelashes. You have like. 50 of them on one eye. Just do here's, it. Here's an idea. If you want to go for pain, pull out a nose hair. That hurts like hell. Yeah, it and does. a nose hair, wow. an eyelash, a, an eyebrow One from hair, each eyebrow. And then each girl does like one, one hair. I mean, it's like... But no, they go immediately to cutting off a foot. Jesus it, Christ. You know, I honestly say it'd be different if they tried that. If they and tried and they failed. Up. Yeah, like, that, if they tried and they failed, I'd be okay with it. Right. It's the, they didn't take that extra step to establish. Yeah. Nah, nah. But they just go from like, okay, eyebrow, this. I'm gonna cut off my elbow. Nail I'm hair. Nail. <laughs> nail. Yeah. Which sucks, but I at least I understand. saw the nail coming. I understand. But no, 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 no. I at least get that. Okay. So is it sad that for some reason I was like, okay, body hair. What kind of body hair? Oh, I know, leg hair, arm hair, pubes. That's what he was saying. He was saying that he <laughs> implied could that. Have. Like, well, no, well, no, maybe Devin, if don't you know? They're well, I don't like know. They it's the modern day. It. Everyone shaves. Mm, they didn't establish it. <laughs> they didn't establish it, so. Obviously, but. they're women in a horror movie. They're sluts. They shave. <laughs> I don't believe that. I do not believe that. I'm satirizing. Please don't. Well, me. in this one, it was half and half, but anyway. Because it's a horror movie, so you have to know what everyone's personality is like. Oh, that's oh right, because one, yeah. one of them to be the slut, the other one be the virgin. Yeah, and boom. <laughs> one was a slut, and one was the. The virgin that the slut slept with the boyfriend. I do say the best joke I saw with that was uh, the first scary movie. He opens the girl's uh, bikini, uh, the takes off her underwear, and all of a sudden, boom! Oh yeah, I thought that was the Heartbreak Kid, but no, 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 that's did, a scary movie. They did that in Heartbreak Kid too. It was like a bush all of a sudden. <laughs> and then he just take he just takes a chainsaw to it. That made me laugh my ass off. It's so angry. <laughs> all right, anyway. uh, the next one that I watched was I again did Netflix Roulette. I've watched a bunch of movies that I've already seen, so I'm not going to bother with those. But I watched a movie called You Can't Kill Stephen King. Okay. It was something free on Voodoo or something. I'm just like, oh, okay, why not? I'll try. Do I'll you give recommend this it? Uh, I don't know. I might have so, to check it out. First, I love Stephen King. I'm a huge, avid reader of Stephen King. Um, and I love the idea of this movie, but the execution was poor. Oh, um. It's a bunch of friends going up to Maine to try to meet Stephen King or like get get a picture of his house kind of thing. They end up in the city, the, the fake version of the city that he lives in, and everyone's kind of weird and like from a Stephen King novel because of course. Arkham, wait a minute. And they get there and they charter a boat or a speedboat and they're like, oh, okay. And then they, they send the black guy off to get gas. So, well, <laughs> he's dead. The next scene, well, he's dead. And um, they end up going out on the, the lake, getting yelled at for making too much noise. They go inside. They start, you know, doing this. And I'm like, so this is just a slasher movie. Okay. And then you find out that he, the one, the black guy was torn apart by a wolf. And I'm like, okay. This is a reference to this obscure, obscure short story that nobody's heard of. Okay. And then I hope they they don't just do that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And do you fucking get it? <laughs> I feel like the writers wrote or read one of his short story novel, like his short story collections, like uh, 
four past midnight or one of these ones. And they're like, well, that's funny. That's funny. That's cool. That's cool kill. That's cool kill. Let's just use this book. It's like you have all of this rich lore and world that you could have used and you just use like one short story. And the whole thing turns out that the people of the city are killing them because they're being too loud. And it's actually just Stephen King's writing a book. So the people in his city or in the town are killing people as per his new book. I've seen I'm this like, done better. That's kind of fuzz. There are other ways that it has been done better, yeah. Oh, but, I can think of one big one, but that's but, later. Yeah. But, like, I liked it. I thought it was a fun kind of send-up on certain things, but it was just... It's been done better elsewhere, so... It has. I, the writer and the director and are the same people as the two lead characters, and you can tell it's a group oh, of friends, shit. and it's a really low-budget... They're the cinematographer. They were the composers. So I give them credit for for assembling a movie, but it it More ultimately just people. wasn't that great. More than some people have done. So, hey. but then that same day, I stuck in the um, the Stephen King vibe, and since I've already seen like a whole bunch of other ones, I just decided screw it and finally watched Gerald's Game with Carl Carla Gugino. How was it? I liked it. Okay. Uh, I've read the book. Uh, it's about Carla Gugino gets handcuffed to a bed, and, <laughs> and when the husband's like making passes on her, she like rebuff. Like, no, let, we can't do this. Let's stop. This is freaking me out. And then he has a heart attack and dies and falls off the bed. Oh, I've heard about this So she's one. now stuck, handcuffed to the bed. You told me about this one. And the book gets into that, like, cerebral of, there's a dead body in the room. Did I close the front door? I'm, I'm handcuffed. <laughs> in the book, she's naked. But in this, she had a, a, night, a nightie on, you know, movie. But she's, like... What if someone walks in here and, st- and finds me handcuffed to the bed? What are they going to do? And it's all this like, oh God, oh God, I'm going to get attacked. Someone's going to come in here. And then she starts hallucinating the husband sitting next to her talking to her. And then like the perfect version of her as a wife sitting talking to her. And like trying to get her to not fall asleep. Trying to get, trying to like get her to fight back and figure out how to get out. And then a stray dog walks in and starts eating the, eating the husband and... And it's because they established earlier that she doesn't close the front door. And then she realizes, oh, God, I didn't close the front door. You, why did you not let me close the front door? No, shit. And then, like, as night falls, she starts seeing things in the room with her. And she sees this man in the room with her that's waiting for her to die to so collect it, her. Wait, it's a bottle it's, horror? Yeah, it's, it's all her on a bed. Handcuffed to the bed trying to figure huh. out how to get off of the bed. And, like, trying to pull the handcuffs up to to get water from the stuff up above. There's, like, a little uh, bookshelf above that has key. Not the key for the handcuff, but, like, car keys up above her and water. It, it was actually pretty well done. Of course, the scene that everyone ever talks about is how she gets out of the handcuff. I remember you telling me a bad thing. And if you know what a degloving incident is yep. she does that to oh, herself that was it oh and while the book it's not terrible because you can just imagine, imagine it this nope. she cuts her hand open with a piece of glass from the the glass that i mentioned and mm. then she uses the blood to like pull her Lubricate hand out herself. but they it's b- very well done because the the just the effect it actually pulls the skin back. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you're both wincing, so I I'm not going to say much more. But There's a certain amount of body horror that I don't mind. And it is such a well-done scene, because you can tell she's in pain. And, like, Carly so Gugino plays the 
hell out of the scene. Oh, man. And it's one of those that I wasn't looking forward to because I've read the book and I know how she gets out and that always makes me wince. But it was such a well-done scene. That's that's good, at least. And, of course, this is after she's been handcuffed to a bed for a, almost two days. So her arms are, like, asleep. And this wakes it back up immediately when she starts cutting into her hand. And, oh, yeah, like, no her legs are asleep. So she's, like, trying to figure out, okay, if I get up... Man, if I cut off my fucking hand, my legs better do their goddamn job. <laughs> and she gets, like, really That's sarcastic funny. with her uh, wiggle fake your people. Big toe. <laughs> yeah, wiggle <laughs> your big toe. Listen to these other piggies wiggling. Oh, my God. And that then, just sounds yeah, terrifying. It's, yeah, like, and, of course, she eventually, like, gets to her phone and her phone's dead. So she's like, God damn it. Okay, now she has to find out where the keys are. So she's dragging the bed towards the other room. That's While the funny. stray dog that's been eating the, the husband's, like, moving in, because now that the husband's starting to spoil. Licking the blood. <laughs> and, like, has she woke up once, and the dog was trying to bite her. And, like, the dog's coming closer, and then the person that was in the room with her, turns out, actual person. Wait, what? The person that was in the room with her, turns out, is a real person. That snuck in... And was, like, watching her, waiting for her to die to do stuff to her. It's like, oh, shit. I forgot about that in the book. Yeah. Oh. It's one of those things that you also are not sure if she's gone insane or not at that point. Oh, <laughs> but when yeah. it's revealed that, no, that was a real person. It's like, oh, damn. That's that a makes whole it even scarier. That's yeah. another level Oh, yeah, that's three. one of those that... In the, I forgot about that in the book. But, yeah, it's, it is such a well... It's actually a really well-done movie. I... I mean, it's it's a hard one to recommend because of the subject matter, Fair. particularly the hand thing. But you know, it's so weird. I have no yeah. problem watching like a, a Tarantino movie, except for like where it goes a little bit too excessive, or like these big action ones where they blow off the head and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Like that's no problem. It's this kind of grotesque body horror. Which yeah, like, and even oh, that, it's no. like it's the only other than the dog. Like every once in a while, pulling a piece of. And you never really see it actually happen. You kind of see the aftermath a little bit. If you watch, it, there's there's a number of movies that have something similar yeah. where you can kind of be dis- desensitized to it, especially if you aren't explicitly. Yeah, the dog's it. over there like chewing on something, and you always see there's like a little piece of blood or something. But, but yeah, that was on par with uh, 127 hours. Oh, oh which is another that, movie that can't nope, the tendon nope. scene. Nope. Just, ah. mm. I, both uh, me, like, I admire the guys. I re- I admire and respect the. <laughs> the guy for doing that to himself uh if that were me i'd die of dehydration i'm dying i yeah, would just go to I, sleep and be like cool death is coming yeah i'd probably bang my head against the rock a bunch of times i wouldn't do more pain to myself but i'd definitely be saying yeah. fuck it I'm, yeah i'd I'm be like well sleep. i'm dead <laughs> i'd just be sitting there going sweet i get to sleep forever <sighs> yeah anyway moving from that um a different kind of horror yeah <laughs> yeah Moving from that, this week, uh, Jordan Peele's Us comes out. Which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I like I Get Out, that, yeah. and I'm, I'm looking forward to Us. I'm, I'm curious because the, the, like the one trailer, the, I saw two trailers, one where they just kind of imply something, and then another one where it's just like, oh, okay, something's gone. <laughs> There's a left turn here somewhere that I'm, I have to kind of in, interested in. I'm curious to see, because I know it goes, it, it, there's something else going on that we don't see in the trailers, so... Yeah. But there is I'm, a twist. Somewhere. It's kind of like the movie Get Out, um, where 
Well, you think you're getting into one thing and you find out there's a whole nother thing going on. Yeah, the whole the whole twist of that movie just was like, oh, well that was unexpected. And then you watch it again and it's like, how the hell did I not see that coming? Right. It is so... A bunch of older white guys getting, or a bunch of older white people getting out of black black cars, driving around in black cars, not hugging the surgeon guy, but hugging the black butler like, oh, that's weird. How did I not notice that? Yeah, okay. like, there's a There's a lot of, like... The, I, it's the, such a well-done, subtle... Bits, the bits movie. and pieces I've seen it, that exemplifies is a lot of subtle stuff that you don't quite notice. Yeah, until later, like, the the silent auction and all that, you just think they're playing bingo. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But, this week is us. And, in... <laughs> Honor celebration of us, we're doing our top five horror movies, which should be fun because none of us are really horror watchers. Not particularly, especially considering the, re- the reaction to someone cutting their own, cutting most of their own hand. Okay, off. considering some of the things I'm going to be talking about, it, it's going to be kind of a how did that freak you out? It's like I can't oh, watch yeah. medical shows yet. I can watch uh, a gore fest <laughs> where everybody's getting blown apart. Yeah, there's a certain level of over the topness where it's just like, okay, I know this isn't real, whatever. Yeah. I know when this couldn't happen, fuck it. Realistic <laughs> enough that it's uh, it's wince-inducing, you know, it's actually a pretty well-made movie. Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to preface this saying I'm going to be saying two two uh, names for each of mine. One is a slasher movie, because I've been watching a shitload of slashers, and it's a more, more widely known horror movie. Uh, they're not my favorite movies of all time. It's just more like, here's a movie that I think is pretty decent. Give it a shot. And then my actual number five. So that's just how I'm going to be saying mine. Just to because there's going to be nowhere else I'm ever going to put these unless we do a slasher thing months from now. I'm going to have a special mention at one point just because I've used it before in another area, another okay. thing we've done. But other than that, all right, cool. Uh, so who wants to start this week? I'll Tom. start us off. All right. So my number five is actually. Um, one movie, but I'm going to be mentioning both it and the remake that came out 40 years later, uh, House on Haunted Hill. Um, the original starred Vincent Price and uh, Carol Omar um, and Richard Long. It was directed by uh, William Castle and Rosemary Horvath. Um, Female director back then? Damn. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And uh, that came out in 1959. The remake was with... Uh, Jeffrey Rush, Famke Jensen, Tay Diggs, and uh, it was directed by William Malone. Um, it's about a uh, very rich man who, in the original, only offers $10,000, and the remake <laughs> offers a million dollars to um, five different people to spend the night in a very spooky old mansion that... Uh, he has acquired either through renting or owning at this point that is supposedly haunted and if they can make it through the night then they'll get paid um i remember seeing the original when i was a little kid and it captivated me yet horrified me at the same time um and in the remake uh when i saw it it brought back a lot of the same feelings um and I just thought it was a very well done uh, horror film in itself, um, just because it it brought back that same feeling. And I really liked it, so um, that's why it's my number five. Cool. Mm. 
I have not seen either version, actually. Though I know Vincent Price is a treat in most anything he's been in. Yeah. So, what's up next? Oh, Lee, you haven't seen it, or did you talk about it? Have you seen it? I've seen it. It's been a while, so I don't really have much of it. A lot of the horror movies, if they don't really leave a... <laughs> Flash in the pan once in a while. Yeah, they don't really leave a big uh, impact. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we <laughs> haven't jumped over you. Uh, my number five is uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Or as cool. the actual title is, <laughs> The Labyrinth of the Fawn. Libertino del Fauno? Yeah, I believe that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it shows. <laughs> yeah, it, his staple is all over that movie. It's yeah. it's beautifully done too. It is dark, both figuratively and literally. It, it is set at nighttime a lot of the times, in very dark environments. But the music for it is just fantastic. I need to find the soundtrack for it. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> It's that's just, the one that stuck in my head because it's my friend's favorite song. That lullaby, yeah, yeah. It it is amazing through and through, and it is all in Spanish. There is no English dub of it. One thing I did find out that was interesting was, was the uh, actor in the the fawn suit, Doug Jones. I yeah, thank you, Doug Jones. He, as from the name you can guess, is, does speak English, doesn't know a lick of Spanish, learned phonetically. To say his lines in Spanish, so that dubbing would be easier, and because of the uh, the suit's animatronics, yeah, he, he no could idea. not hear, so he had to look and see where uh, Ophelia was saying to correctly guess when his lines went. Yep. And he did all this, and it looks completely natural. And it's like, oh my god! The same guy played the Thin Man, the Pale Man, Pale Man. Oh, and there's a there's a creature of nightmare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, my first exposure to this movie was actually a music video using that scene where she awakens and is promptly horrified by the Pale Man set to a Tool song, specifically uh, 46 and 2, and my God, does it line up so well. Yeah. The whole movie is a dichotomy of the, the weird and fantastical looking horrifying, but more often than not seemingly benevolent, being yeah. seemingly benevolent with the... Absolute humanness and terrifying uh, visage of El Capitan, who just embodies like the World War horrors. Yeah. He's that strict guy who will easily shoot you down if you get in his way. That's one thing that Del Toro is great with is that his human villains are often more terrifying than the fantastical. Yeah, like the Pale Man is creepy. The Fawn is creepy, not really a horror character but then the real horror comes when he the deals captain. with the, the captain and that like, guy was terrifying beating a guy's nose in with the butt of a gun you the know, son just... in front of his father yeah that was the part that creeped me out yeah. and then because the uh the group it's a little military group and i want to say this is world war ii spain uh this is spanish revolution i believe was it i something like that i can't quite remember the year but anyway, it's like they, the little group he has, uh, his, his uh, subordinates, find uh, a son father hunters. And they explicitly say that we were hunting, my father was hunting rabbits. But this guy who's been dealing, who has been dealing with rebels, by the by, so it is legitimate paranoia, beats the shit and kills the kid in front of his father, shoots them both. And then when they actually fully search the bag, 
find a dead rabbit. And the only thing he says is, actually search properly before bugging me, and walks off. That's it. Yeah. He is stone cold. And he's yeah. the one who kills both of them. Yeah. It is terrifying what this guy does. Yeah. It's one of those that Del Toro has always wanted characters. Like Strickland in uh, Shape of Water. His human villains are terrifying because of their convictions. Like he... Oh, no, yeah. The, he has the, no problem murdering people. Yeah. The but, captain is completely convinced that his is the, his is the right way. Yeah. And then when he meets someone against that, the doctor, he, the doctor's walking away, calm as you can be. He, you just see in the background, the captain draws, fires right into his back. The doctor just keeps on walking and just slowly collapses. Mm-hmm. No crying out, no nothing. Doesn't give him the satisfaction of it. Yep. And it's like, the whole thing is based on willful disobedience over obedience without, uh, without conviction. Yeah. It is a wonderful portrayal of all that. Yeah. It's very, I, I highly suggest it. I really enjoyed the film. I've only seen it once, uh, but when I saw it, I saw it in theaters. Oh, it was creepy, and the people I was with uh, freaked out at all the right moments. And Being shot in the eye, the eye moving independently of the other one. Uh, yeah. I always loved that. Don't that was know how such a cool digital. Yeah, it's like okay, that makes sense. But it's like it's such a tiny detail that you don't normally really do, but it just. Oh, but yeah. yeah, having my friends freak out at all the right moments, um, and knowing kind of what I was getting into when I was going to see the film in the first place really cool. helped out a little bit for what I enjoyed about the film. Because um, whenever I go to see a horror film, one of the things I purposely try to look for at the very beginning is all the uh, sound, lighting, and visual cues that are going to come up with any kind of very scary well moment. Done. Very well done. Um, yeah. And these are also very well blended in. That it's really hard to tell sometimes when yeah. it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is how it should be. Which, in my opinion, makes the movie scarier for just that reason. Yeah. Because um, you're not really sure when the thing is going to happen. Yeah. I have a hard time admitting this is a horror movie, honestly. But at the same time, it's like, it is. This is. I like, understand why just... you think that 100%. Because I, I even asked you before we started yeah. this, like, would you kind of. And I think because of the dichotomy of the yeah. human element versus the fantastical. The fantastical is in your face and obviously, like, but the human element is so much more terrifying. Yeah. And I think that's why it kind of runs the gamut into, yeah, you can consider this horror. Beyond, um, beyond that, I just love at the end where he, he, he knows he's screwed. The captain knows he's screwed, so he hands over his son to the nurse. And then he's trying to say, tell my son this. He's like, no. No, no, he's not even going to know you exist. Yeah, and you just see face. how broken the guy is from that. Yeah. And it's beautiful. The shot. other yeah. thing that I really liked about this is this very much reminds me of what it may have felt like for children originally listening to the Grimm's fairy tales when they were first being yeah. popularized. Oh, yeah. And that whole, like, horror film horrifying feeling of like these stories trying to teach a lesson but at the same time those are not stories that you would that nowadays you would even even think about telling your child no the last thing i'll say is that the pale man thing is an actual fairy tale oh yeah that's the that's the creepiest part is that that is a thing that is based on folklore yeah and they pull it off spec because he twitches he doesn't move 
spasms into his movements. And yeah, I believe it's uh, an old Roman, or not Roman, a uh, Russian story. Yeah, I think yeah, so. that sounds about right for Russia. But yeah. honestly, yeah, I'd suggest it. Yeah. All right, Devin, what's your number five? Uh, well, my number five is the Russian cannibal film. <laughs> yep, called Raw. Wait, Russian cannibal? I thought you said or French. French cannibal, wow. <laughs> I was stuck in French. Or You're stuck, stuck in Russia. Russia. I'm all over the place today. Sorry, guys. It's still winter, goddammit. <laughs> so mine is the French cannibal film called Raw, uh, directed by female director Julia... Yep. Uh, Decornow? Decornow? Decornow. So, we'll go with that. However we pronounce it. Starring Garance <laughs> Millier. Millier. Again, uh, yep, they're French names, and I'm not even going to bother trying the rest of the I told you, pronounce every other syllable. Mille. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Mayer. Yeah, close enough. It might be close, anyway, actually. Uh, this film is one that I saw at the film festival a couple years ago. <laughs> um, she is born and raised a vegetarian. Her entire family is born and raised vegetarian. Uh, up until she goes, when she gets out of high school, she decides she wants to go to veterinarian school. Uh, so she goes to veterinary school and as a hazing ritual, they make her eat sheep, I think, or pig, something like that. Whatever it is, they make her eat some kind of, um, some kind of meat. And that's her first meat she's ever had, ever. That seems like child abuse, but... Well, this is like a hazing ritual at the school. No, I'm talking about the never Um, having... Like an unbalanced diet. Yeah, I'm going with my own views on that. Vegetarian. I I have a few uh, friends and relatives that are vegetarian. They seem okay, but um, continue. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, she then starts realizing that she's she really likes uh, meat, and she starts like trying to trying to find other food. She ends up eating a whole steak, which in the filming process it was actually a giant piece of gelatin. Oh no! And they made it look like meat because the I believe the actress herself is actually vegetarian too. But okay, never but mind. she kept she like ate this thing and she just downed an entire steak. And then she like starts stealing hamburgers and eating hamburgers, meat and stuff like that. And it's just none of it tastes as good as she wants. And then at one point, due to reasons, her sister's finger is cut off. And she's curious, and she licks the finger, and then realizes that's what she's hungry for. And she eats the finger. And the sister wakes up at this point and freaks out and realizes what's going on. And it turns out that the family is cannibalistic, and that's why they're all vegetarians, is because they don't want that to happen. It's revealed that the the father is covered with bite marks, that the, the, the mother is... Instilled, and it's just this really twisted because the sister is a cannibal. The sister has figured this out already and had the same hazing ritual last year. So it's now okay. Well, how? What, uh, what do I eat? Who? Uh, do, am I supposed to eat people? Uh, what's going on? And it's like the sister just brings a boy to her and be like, "Well, uh, have fun." And <laughs> she falls for the boy and doesn't want to hurt him. But then at the same time, the sister's like, "Well, you." Bitch, okay, fine. And, like, it just ends up that the two of them start, like, going and start biting each other. And it's just a really interesting, really, really well done thing because it, like, slowly devolves into them 
them like lesbian cannibalism trying to eat each other and then trying like trying not to fall into the urge but it turns out that okay well what do we do okay fine come follow me and they cause a car accident and then start biting the the sister starts biting the driver it's like well he's gonna he's dead anyway come on eat him before he gets cold it's like Jesus. Okay. Oh, wow. And the movie starts taking this really twisted turn, and I, I just absolutely love it. It's sense of humor and sense of, like, it goes from being a really what really interesting, like, cautionary tale to just all of a sudden, like, oh, my God. It, it ramps hard. <laughs> like, the sister ends up eating the, like, literally eating the boyfriend of the main character, and it's just, holy shit. So... <laughs> It's just such a well-made movie, too. I remember you telling me this after you came back from watching. Yeah, it's one of those that's really hard to it's really hard to explain without it sounding really stupid, but it's just so damn good. <laughs> it sounds messed so, up, is what it sounds. Oh, it's it is super messed up, but but yeah. It's, <laughs> well, okay, glad to glad to share with, you shared with the class, Devin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're doing horror movies, man. It's no, gonna be no, some that's... weird shit on this list. So, All right. I'm, not so, my only time about someone eating another person. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not exactly out of that boat either. <laughs> so, Tom, what's what's your number four? Please say. So us. yeah, so my number four is The Conjuring. Okay, another one I haven't seen. Um, what's it about? So in this case, it's uh, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, work to help a family terrorized by dark presence in their farmhouse. Um, it came out in 2013, <laughs> stars, uh, Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, Ron Livingston, and it was directed by James Wan. Um, and, uh, I really like the movie. Um, I like the fact that it's based off of real events that happened. Uh, the way that it's told... There's several points where you're expecting a jump scare that doesn't pay off, and then all of a sudden, when you're not expecting that jump scare, it happens. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one is Insidious, which one's Sinister, which one's Conjuring. Uh, Conjuring is... Is Conjuring the one with Darth Maul behind someone's back, or is that a different no, one? No, the Conjuring... That's Conjuring 2? <laughs> that's the one with the nun demon thing? No, that's the nun. Well, no, no, there's, the nun world. was the prequel to... Oh, crap, you're right, I'm making a joke, but it is all the same yep. world, isn't yeah, it? it's oh the same God. world. Um, it's the same world. Annabelle? Um, is Annabelle Conjuring as well? Or Annabelle is, is the same vein, it's from the same series of movies. It is the same universe. It's Ed and Lorraine Warren, we yeah, because it's based off of, again, real events. We have a horror universe continuity, oh my God. Yeah, well, yeah because, so, you have The Conjuring, They're all crap. which <laughs> took place in America, then you have Conjuring 2... Which is actually the Enfield uh, haunting, which is the most documented haunting in all of history, uh, at least in the most con- in modern day history. Um, and there's it was on TV shows over in England. Huh. It made uh, TV shows here in America. It there are several recordings and everything like that um, that you can go and find. It's truly horrifying to look into the actual past of it. Um, the thing about the Conjuring is. Uh, if you were to look into the real history behind it, the f- the family that's afflicted in this movie, in the movie they help them out and they're able to free them of whatever. In reality, they didn't succeed. Oh. Um. So there's oh, yeah. the family was still afflicted by whatever was haunting the house. Um. 
and uh, this, if I'm not mistaken, at least. Um, and this is just a really good movie. Um, it sets the tone for a whole series of films with uh, about Ed and Lorraine Warren's haunted adventures, um, for lack of a better term, uh, which are all based off of real cases that they worked. Um, and it's truly horrifying uh, to think that even a representative of what is happening here actually happened in real life. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that is always hard to take. Um, but uh, I really liked it, um, and that's why it's my number four. Cool. I'll be so. honest, haven't actually bothered watching it. Same. <laughs> it's one of those that I, I'll eventually see. I'm just not super excited to get around to watching it. I'm... So. Uh, you'll notice a theme with mine is almost all of them are supernatural horror um, in some way, and that's because if I'm going to watch horror, it's that's what I'm the type of horror I'm most interested in. You need a subcategory attached. Oh, I forgot yeah. to say my, my slasher. I'll do it later. <laughs> you, you can do it after mine. So, yeah, that was my number four. Uh, my, number, my number four is uh, <laughs> 28 Days Later. Oh, Candace. I won't say I'm surprised because I'm not. Right. Yep. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. All right then. Uh, what was your number five slasher movie, Dan? Uh, my number five slasher movie was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Number four, you mean? Uh, I'm he jumping back to slasher. slasher. Gotcha. He forgot. My number five slasher is Wes Craven's New Nightmare, the super okay. super meta one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The yeah, I just thought that was a really cool. This was like. 20 years later, they're like, yeah, the, the rest of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies suck. This one's good, and it's <laughs> surprisingly good. It's the, my favorite of all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Uh, my number four slasher is actually Friday the 13th Part 4. Okay. The one where... Uh, that wasn't Go to Hell. Go to Hell was six, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> this is the one where Jason actually dies. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, he's killed by Tommy, Tommy Jarvis at the end, but... Dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Tommy Jarvis, the right. character in the, in the game. Yeah, uh, I actually really enjoyed Droid Number Four. It was it was one of the more solid ones. It actually has Crispin Glover in it as one of the kids. I'm gonna, so I'm gonna tell you right now, Devin, it's better than the one the only one I've seen, which is Ten. Jason X. Jason X has some fun moments. It is fun. I'm not he saying he ices it's... a girl and then slaps her head into a table. That was awesome. Well, it, but it, it, the, holog- the, the rest holog- of the movie. Absolutely sucks. Well, I thought so. it was funny in the hologram where he picks up he picks up the chicks in the sleeping bag they're trying to entice him and then just starts wailing them off. That's the actually a reference to three, I think, where yeah. he just randomly comes across people in a people sleeping in a, bag. People in a sleeping bag and then whacks them against the tent. I know, just, but it was yeah, just so yeah. funny how over right. the top it oh, was. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, that that series got way over the top. Are you surprised? So, anyway. No. So uh, what's your actual number four? My actual number four? Is Tucker and Dale vs. Evil? I've Ooh. been wanting to see it. It's been on nothing. I've uh, yeah. It's it's not exactly a horror. <laughs> it is very much a horror comedy. But uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, directed by Eli Craig, starring uh, Alan Tudyk and that's one of the reasons. The guy from <laughs> Reaper, the main character. Um, I don't remember, but yeah, his Reaper. name will come to me. But uh, with the TV show about the devil. Yeah, main character, the fat guy. Can't remember his name. That no, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, but the two of them are the hillbillies, <laughs> Tyler Levine. 
the two of them are the hillbillies, Tucker and Dale. And they're going to their summer home up, up in the middle of nowhere, you know. And, like, they're just going to go off. It's a little bit of a fixer-upper. And they're just going to have fun. They're going to drink some beers. They're going to, like, go fishing. And, oh, my God, that prep, that, like, college girl's over there in her underwear. Hey, you shouldn't be climbing up on that. And then she falls off and lands in the water. Okay, well, Tucker, we should probably go save her. And they go and save her. And then all of the, the preppy college kids are like, oh my god, they, they've got, I think her name's Lisa or something. Oh my god, they got her. Hey, we got your friend! And then they cut over to their side. We got your friend! <laughs> Which is not we're gonna get We're gonna get you! And they're actually like, no, we're gonna come over to you and we're gonna give you your friend back. And all the, the college kids freak the fuck out and run away. It is hilarious comedy of errors on the part of the preppies. Yeah. And it then they glorious. cut back to the like they take them back to their murder shack or their summer home, and they're like, "Hey, uh, are you okay?" They're I mean, so nice you, to the girl. Yeah, they're so nice to the girl. They're like really nice to her, and uh, they're like the picture of gentlemen. I think it's, yeah, I think it's Tucker is uh, Tyler Labine's character is like really nice to her and is like a really sweet, kind of dumb. Okay, they're both pretty damn dumb <laughs> characters. <laughs> they, that, I know he plays I know. Dale. Uh, Devin, I got family like that, so it's not actually a yeah. stretch. Cool. So now I'm I can say whatever I want about white trash. Fam- no, uh, <laughs> go right ahead. I'm not gonna stop you. But anyway, they're really two really nice guys that just want to fix up their summer home, and then the college kids are like, "We're gonna kill those, kill those hillbilly bastards." Kill those. <laughs> and they're out there cleaning up like the dead a dead tree out there, you know, getting rid of it so they can plant a new one. <laughs> Throw it into a wood chipper, and then one of the college kids dives into the wood chipper, trying to kill the other one. Trying to tackle. Turn them. over, and then all of a sudden, they're like, "There's blood spewing out of the wood chipper." And where the hell did you come from? Because <laughs> he dove head first into it. Are you okay? <laughs> and of course, pulls the body out, and it's just chunks of body. And, and then when did the when did the prep, other preppies find him? When he's got the rest of the body yeah. in his hand. Oh my god. He force-fed him into a wood chipper. <laughs> what? No. Well, no, your friend another just one, jumped in. Another one's running with a spear and then trips and lands on his own spear and then slowly dies in front of um, Dale. <laughs> These fucking weird-ass <laughs> college kids are, like, Kill killing them. themselves all over our lawn. <laughs> it is the greatest. It, it is such a great movie. comedy of errors. It's, it's, like, it's cool seeing the horror movie from the opposite's perspective. Because ultimately, yeah, one of the college kids goes absolutely batshit crazy. Well, that, about that is, like, sorry, it's like, it, one of the cool things is, like, at the beginning of the movie, you've got a news clip of just this insane redneck, like, half-burnt face or something like that. Yeah, beating the uh, crap. Yeah, yeah who, who's gone on a murdering spree. Well, turns uh, out it's one of the college kids. It's the kids. preppy kids who it's had a redneck Tucker and Dale versus evil. The evil is one of the college kids. Not all of them, one of them. Who's like, we're going to kill them all. They killed my friends. It is such a good movie. The cop shows up and like, okay guys, you know, it's fine. I'm just making sure you didn't do anything weird. No, and and he like pushes on a a beam and is killed by like a a broken part of the house. Comes out bleeding out of his head and kid pulls the guy's gun. Oh no, there's safety on the side. (laughs) Shoots himself in the face. You know, it's just constant... Like, it is, 
it's definitely not a full-on horror movie, what? but it is such a fun movie. One of the guys from Scooby-Doo were retards. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's, ba- that's basically what it is. So it's an entire movie of Shaggy and Scooby. It's, Ex- no, except stupider. It's two Shaggies trying to figure out why all these kids are killing themselves. <laughs> Oh, it God. is so. It it's is so, so damn good. It sounds brilliant. I've seen it. It's I've two seen Shaggies it. fighting off like a bunch of Fred and Daphne's. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad way of putting. Then Velma's the one that's like, guys, what the hell are you people doing? They're well, nice guys. Well, I'd almost say it's more than a bunch of Fred and Fred, dumb Fred and Velma's with Daphne. It's like you guys are morons. What's going on? Yeah, look, they're a really nice guy. Dale's Dale's a great person. They brainwashed you. Yep. <laughs> what? No, they didn't. Look, Dale, say something. Uh, and then they cut to the other. Uh, all right. <laughs> and it's like, it's just so well done. It's so it's, much fun. It's hilarious. Like I said, I haven't seen the yeah. full thing, but it's I've so seen enough fun. and know about it that it's absolutely great and I need to watch the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah, I want to see it so now. Much fun. Uh, all right. All right, then, uh, Tommy. Moving on. All right, so my number three is uh, from 1973. Uh, it's a perennial favorite, The Exorcist. Mm. Have not seen um, it. What's it about? So, when a teenage girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, oh, her mother seeks help of two priests to save her daughter. Um, it starred uh, <laughs> Ellen Burstyn, uh, Max von Sydow, and Linda Blair. And it was uh, directed oh, by yeah. William Fr- uh, Friedkin. Um, and if you've ever seen anything from clips of, like, a girl with like a greenish face with the, like these demon-like eyes that spews um, split, oh, split pea puce or split split pea puce. Split pea puce. <laughs> split That's pea a color. Soup. Um, That's a color. Well, it was puce. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, actually, I think puce is purple. Anyways, beside the point. Yeah. Um, Chartreuse. Right. Maroni. <laughs> uh, and there's a scene where she like walks down the stairs backwards. On her hands and like crab walks backwards down the stairs. Yeah, you definitely recognize Exorcist. It's hard not to yeah. at least know what. what um, uh, if it looks like. at the very least you would recognize the scene where the priest is walking up to the house and it's like this brick wall with the house back here and like this light shining on fog as it's emanating around the house. It's a nice scene. It's a nice little setup scene. Yeah, I will say the only thing I recognize uh, I've ever seen of The Exorcist is the scene of scary movie making fun of it. Oh, yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. but Or there's a scene where she's floating above the bed. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've seen it, but I remember more the uh, the one thing in Scary Movie making fun of it with James Woods. Yeah. Um, but the movie, to me as a kid, was scary. Um, it really hasn't lost its appeal um, as far as being scary because, again, um, me being the guy that I am, uh, actually looked into what it was based off of, and the. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. That was from a Futurama, not. <laughs> right, but um, yeah. So that's actually very close to the name of a a, a demon that I don't really want to talk about. Um, All that pizzazz, though. Close. Anyways, but uh, no, uh, the. Uh, uh, what it was, the young man that was actually afflicted by all this stuff uh, actually ended up living on to have a very productive life afterwards and cool. went to school and everything like that. 
Um, Unlike anyone associated with making Exorcist. <laughs> right. Jesus Which, Christ. the stories coming out of the oh set are horrifying about a what lot happened of to them, the people. A lot of them are just bad. Uh, same thing with very much what happens with my number two pick, which we'll get to in a minute. I think I might. Well, I know what that one is. I think I'm sure I, you I think do. I might too. I think, think I might not be directed story. by Spielberg. Right. I think it is. I'm pretty Either sure. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, that's my number three. Cool. Short and sweet. Oh, my number three mm. is the first Alien movie. Okay. Made my short list, didn't make my actual list. Mm. Yep, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, starring uh, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Tom Sketter, who was actually the biggest name at the time, and John Hurt. Very well done movie. It still holds up now. It really does. 40 years, 40, almost 50 years later. Yeah. It still holds up that test of time. Fantastic film. The only thing I think you can make a case for is that end shot when the aliens blasted into space and you see the whole thing, but yeah. whatever. Everything up to that is just a nice, suspenseful build-up and just a master showcasing of uh, not showing everything. Yeah. Giving the illusion and impression of something and just letting it speak for its... Let, you let your mind do everything from the get-go. It's got great music. The actual design of everything just has that timeless look to it. That even now you look at it and say, wow, they didn't guess where the technology was going. But it still looks like something working class that you'd see. Yeah. And just some of those moments, the biggest one most people think of is the chestburster scene. Yep. That I... had a number of interesting things attached to it in the fact that they didn't know the blood would be spurting out, so those screams, especially the chick who got covered in the blood, mm. is genuine. Yeah. I love the fact that, yeah, they didn't tell the, the crew what was going on. Another one, great thing with, what was going on. Another great thing with that is when uh, Sigourney Weaver's, Weaver's character is coming down. Uh, Ripley? Ripley. Yeah. yeah. When, Ripley's coming, Ripley. yeah. when Ripley's coming down and uh, Lambert, I want to say, is the, other, is the other woman. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think Lambert I might remember. be a male. But I'm not sure. Well, I think all the all the characters were actually written genderless, and they just they just figured out they just found out who was going to be the best play, which yep. is how it ended up. And, and honestly, I like that. But anyway, she's going to slap her, and then the second slap comes because Weaver was actually used to <laughs> uh, theater acting, so she'd go with the with the slap, and so this time at this point, the the other woman was just pissed off, so she actually hit her again. It is Lambert. Yeah, but it's... Veronica Cartwright. The whole thing is just beautifully well done. They're also... Everyone's an individual. There's no, like, running over of characters. And as I said, Tom Skerritt, who plays Dallas, was the big name at the time. And so when he bites it halfway through, everyone was like, oh, what? Yeah, they were expecting him to be the main character. Yeah, they were expecting him to survive and be the end. And then it's like, it's this no-name Sigourney Weaver. Who the hell is that? Yeah, it's again. It's just, everything about it is done so well. Are there here? Are there points where it's not as good? Absolutely, that's always going to happen, especially for the older films. On the whole, though, I can still pop it on. It's like, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, I like Alien. I like Aliens. Two very different movies, but I think and that's what worked for really him, well. I think. Yeah, Ridley Scott and James Cameron did Aliens. Cameron Damn. Cameron didn't ha didn't try and make Alien again. Yeah. He went a completely different, still horrifying direction, and it worked out superbly. Yeah. 
Everyone else? I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind Prometheus. <laughs> and yeah, I haven't seen Covenant. Really back. Covenant's fine. Covenant was alright. I looked up Covenant. But Alien 3 was okay. Alien Resurrection. Was it 3, the one where they were on like that prison? Pris- yeah. yeah. That three. one I really liked. 3 is prison, 4 has the clone with uh, one on a rider as the yeah. robot. Yeah. Hall. I know all this stuff and I haven't seen it forever. That's yeah. kind of funny. But yeah, I, but yeah. I, like, I think after the first one, 3 is my favorite. Yeah. After the first one. No, I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. say that. I was like, for sure. Uh, Alien is one of those ones where I think it, it's on my short list of uh, horror movies, especially sci-fi horror movies, that people have to see. Yeah. Like, that is yeah. like a mandatory homework, I think. I for feel sure. like Pandorum's probably up there, too, but can't say that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that other really favorite movie of yours. I'm not talking. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm about? sure that'll be a special mention there. Yeah. <laughs> So, Devin, what's your number three? Uh, my number three has actually been canned, so it is 28 Days Later. Ah, what? okay. I'm excited. Uh, Let's hear more about that. <laughs> give me, give, give us the deets, <laughs> Devin, since it is your higher up. Uh, 28 Days Later, directed by Danny Boyle, starring Killian Murphy. Uh, came out like 2007 or 8, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, Late 2000s. I just... I love the fact that one, it's a it's a zombie movie that's not a zombie movie. It yeah. also has Brendan Gleeson in it. Yeah, Brendan yeah. Gleeson <laughs> and the girl who now plays Money Penny. Uh, yeah, whatever her name is. Um, I like her. I like her too. She's cool. Naomi but something. Something like that. Naomi. Doesn't matter. Campbell Scott something. It's Williams, Na- I want to say it's Naomi something, but it doesn't. Yeah. It, doesn't it matter. is. Um, Naomi Harris. There we go. It was like, it'll eventually pop in my head. That's probably a nice 20 seconds we can cut out. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's one of those movies that when I first started watching it, I it took me a while to get actually to watch this. It was one that went, came out when I was younger, so I'm like, I'll eventually watch it. But the fact that it's rage virus instead of zombie virus was super it's a, interesting to it's me. It's an infection. It's a viral infection, not a resurrection yeah. thing. Yeah, and whereas it's, to me, it was better than some other ones like Afflicted that are, Afflicted is strictly body horror affection, like affliction, you know. (laughs) Um, 28 Days Later, I love the feeling of the movie, especially that first act of Killian Murphy. That, it's like like what, a half hour or so? Yeah, and it's... it's weird. No music, no sound. It's it, jet, well, the music is a song called East Hastings. Is it? Okay, I can't remember. It's, it's like very low. It is so subdued. <laughs> no, I, you're right. There is something there. Do you know why there's something there? It's because, because when it's they have that big eerie. bang. Yeah. No, because when they have that big bang, people jumped in their yeah. seats on test viewings. Yeah. And, and he put in the low sound, so there's something. Otherwise, yeah. no. He, they originally did it with absolutely no sound until that bang. It's that very tense, like, what is going on? There's nothing going on. He's walking around an abandoned, post-apocalyptic level. They gorilla shot all that. They didn't shut down the streets. They kind of threw a bunch of stuff around, but then, like, they shot it early morning before traffic appeared. It is And they stole shots, and it it was extremely low-budget movie. And it works. It's just, damn. And it is horrifying. Yeah. Especially when he wakes up and then he's still attached to an IV. Yeah. And he's like... We're not talking about Rick Grimes. We're talking about a different... 
Right, but he's yeah. like, what the fuck is going he, on here? Yeah. Uh, everything about that was just terrible. The fact that even just a drop of blood on an open wound and within half a minute tops, yeah, the, you're gone. Like, uh, Brennan Gleason gets dropped blood from a crow. crow or something into his eye, right? And he's got like and 10 seconds to tell his daughter, I love you, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking. Yeah. It is, yeah. You feel so goddamn bad. Yeah. The third act does, I'll admit, the third act's a little weak when they get on the military base. It He does turn into like... <laughs> they tried to do a duality thing almost. Yeah. Where it's like humans are the real... They do what every zombie movie ever does. Like, yeah. Humans are the real it, monsters. It hit a point where... Killian Murphy's character became a little bit of a, a Superman, and it's like Superman slash Psycho. Yeah, jumping up on bastard. stuff, posing, fighting, and I'm like drenched in blood. Yeah, I'm like uh, okay. Everything up. It's honestly like someone's throwing a no hitter until about oh the eighth inning. Then they just kind of it's like they let a couple go through. Yeah, and then that last one they got a grand slam. They still win, but yeah, they still end up winning. But it's it's like you you, you lost it in the last bit, guys. You yeah, tripped at the finish line. Danny Boyle does that a few times. He did that in um, Sunshine as well. The first three quarters of Sunshine's great, but then they introduce a an other okay. character that uh, just kind of drops the ball. But well, the other thing with the ending is I know they filmed two endings. Oh yeah, they. They one is the one that's in the actual film, which I it seems esoterically happy, but I liked it. Yeah, they they get they're it. at the they're at like a house in the countryside. They've got a giant health thing in rocks. Yeah. The other one is that he actually dies from his wounds in the military place. Yep. <laughs> and he's he just goes to a happy spot where he imagines they survived. And cut. <laughs> yeah. It. I'm glad they went with the happier version because it may seem like, okay, why'd they get the happy version after all that bullshit? But I think the other one would have just been way too goddamn depressing. Yeah. I they, We've already gotten kicked in the nuts by the, by uh, Gleason's character getting offed. Yeah. And then the stuff that happens in the military base. I mean, uh, the, main, the main woman drugs up the girl so she doesn't get bothered when uh, the soldiers decide, hey, we're going to have some fun. Yeah. To procreate. It's like, oh, this is dark. <laughs> yeah, it goes in some weird It goes to a bad like, place. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, and... Oh, that's right. Eccleston. Uh, Eccleston is the, is is the, the leader. soldier. Yeah, the soldier guy. Yeah. I can't remember his first name for the life of me, but Chris, whatever. Chris, Chris, Chris Eccleston. Eccleston. Great actor. Yeah. But... And it, it shows, because he's terrifying in this. Yeah. Uh, I do have to mention my other slasher. My third slasher is Your Next. Uh, movie from a few years ago. Uh, it's a it's a inv- home invasion, much like The Strangers, but <laughs> they invade the house, they start killing the family, and ultimately it turns out that it's one of the brothers hiring mercenaries to kill the family so that he gets the inheritance money. You know, pretty simple. Standard. He just never expected that his brother would bring the new girlfriend who used to be a survivalist (laughs) and the girl completely fucking turns it over on him nice and starts hunting the the mercenaries (laughs) and just murdering the mercenaries like goes down in the basement breaks all the lights and then hides there and sets a camera up and they like they see the camera flashing and she just goes like ape shit on him or sets up like Home Alone traps that actually does realistic damage to people. Nice. 
ultimately the cops show up and she's killing the last of the mercenaries and turns and they all go, okay. <laughs> Shoots her in the face. Nice. It is such a good movie. It's such a expectation subversion film. Nice. So I I really like the movie, but that's your next. Right, so that was session. our that was your number three, yep. my number four. So yeah. So up to Tom's number two. Uh, my number two oh, shit. is uh, from 1982. Uh, it's called Poltergeist. Yep, that was the yep. one I was thinking of then. Yeah, uh, that's what I figured. Starred uh, Joe Beth Williams, Heather O'Rourke, Craig T. Nelson, and a few other people. Oh. Directed by Toby Hooper. And or Hooper. Also, with the help of uh, the screenplay writer, uh, Steven Spielberg. Who may or may not have directed it. We don't part of it. Really know. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's bad. not necessarily he's not actually credited as the director for the film, but but he but did help a lot with you the directing. Can tell. Yeah, it's got, it's got too much of yeah. Spielberg's touch. Um, not only that, but also too with some of the freaky stuff that happened on set. Um, yeah. He also like, for I instance, there's the scene where um, the one daughter is in the pool. That's the one. Uh, and there's all sorts of bodies and caskets and shit floating up from underneath. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she didn't want to get into the pool yeah. because of all the electrical equipment around the pool yep. and overhead. So she was terrified. And so he's like, so Spielberg's like, no problem. Here, I'll get in with you. So he got into the pool with her and said, look, if anything happens, if a light falls in, We're we both, both fry. <laughs> We're both going. And she's like, Okay, I feel better about this now. You know what? I had no problems with it. Surprisingly enough, when someone's willing to do that, it's like, hey, we're both going to go. That actually when still one of the most powerful guys in Hollywood gets into the pool and says, hey, if I die, or if, if, you, it, die, if you I go, die, damn. That inspires, <laughs> that does inspire trust, which was then almost immediately negated by what happened to her in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then um, the a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie, um, or two major things that happen in the movie are actually inspired by two things that Steven Spielberg was afraid of as a child, clowns and a tree outside of his window. Huh. Okay. So, actually, to go back a bit, what is the story, uh, actually? It's a family's home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts. Um, Craig T. Nelson and his family, who he's a um, house developer, uh, ends up moving into one of the houses that he helped develop in a new, brand new subdivision neighborhood and um, as a, one of these top developers he gets to have one of the houses basically for free so they move in and after they move in very shortly uh, and this is before the whole subdivision is completely finished um, people uh, like they start noticing weird stuff happening in the house such as chairs are moving on their own um, when the youngest child will sit on a specific spot on the floor and she'll, or a chair will sit there, it will move across the kitchen floor on its own. Um, and, uh, the chairs will stack up on the table in a pyramid by themselves. Uh, voices are heard. Uh, just weird stuff is constantly happening. And... Later on, we come to find out that the house has been built on an ancient burial, uh, Indian burial ground, or uh, what also um, it was built on a cemetery where they were supposed to move the bodies and didn't necessarily do that. That is better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so much better. Yeah. Uh, uh, and 
Because whenever you relocate a uh, graveyard, which has happened, it's a normal thing that actually happens, um, it is the responsibility of whoever is building on that property to work with the, or with the cemetery uh, to move all of the bodies from one place to another final resting place um, and make sure that they get them all. <laughs> Uh, and there is an oversight, right? Um, and when the bodies start popping up out of the ground and stuff like that, it's a whole thing. And yeah, so um, yeah, considering that two of the actresses actually died shortly after the filming of the film, one died by being strangled to death by her boyfriend, the other one died of intestinal stenosis. Ouch. Um, and one was not even a teenager. The other one was in her teens. Oh. Uh, they, were, they played the two daughters in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, actually died in real life. Uh, yeah, it's one of those that there's some stories. Yeah, the young boy, there's a point where uh, the clown comes to life and starts strangling him um, the in the film. Doll or the clown doll, yeah. Uh, well, in the film, he actually was the, the, the arms tighten around his neck and he was actually strangling from the thing. And the both Spielberg and Hooper thought that he, the kid was ad-libbing until Spielberg, and they look, told him, look into the camera. And um, Spielberg noticed after a few moments that he was starting to turn purple and literally ran over and cut the arms off the kid. Oof. And, got and the then cut the doll off of him, which was really weird for the kid. <laughs> that would be right. <laughs> I mean, well, we gotta free your arms so you can breathe. <laughs> More oxygen into your blood this way, it'll be fine. I'm gonna close my eyes. Okay. <laughs> Open your eyes, but you have to breathe. Wait, what? More yeah. blood into the oxygen now. Wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of freaky occurrences that apparently happened, and the. Skeletons that they used on set were actually human skeletons. That's the one I know. They're cheaper than buying fake ones. They desecrated, well, convincing fake ones. They they desecrated graves essentially to uh, scare the piss out of them. Not necessarily, because you can actually uh, medical um, schools can actually buy real the. Um, skeletons that they use for examinations that you see in doctor's offices It's sometimes. funnier if it's true. What I said is true, Tom. True. But no, no, they probably did exactly um, that. It, it, it's, and that actually comes from people donating their bodies to science. Yeah. And for research and stuff like that. And art. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, it was... Yeah. I don't know if if the if the woman who got got the skeleton popped on to her realized it was actually real until afterwards. They weren't informed until after the film was yep. done. I would be terrified. Because she she's actually she actually had a, a skeleton essentially attack her. That's traumatic. Yep. This was a person that Not really anymore. lived who's now attacking you. Had a bad joke coming to my head. I'm not going to say Somehow it. this is the same director that did the first Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. All right. With help from the person who did E.T. So, I mean, you yeah. got kind of... Well, Drew Barrymore was originally uh, looked to play uh, Carol Dunn, I think was her name. Uh, the youngest daughter was supposed to play her role. And was like, no, we'll go with this other girl because she looks more angelic. Oh. But took uh, but that led to uh, Drew Barrymore actually getting the role in E.T. Okay. Yeah. So. Interesting. Well, she's kind of a fire starter. 
So that's your number two, eh? Yeah, that was my number two, Poltergeist. Which is freaky as hell, especially when the kid's talking to the uh, talking into the TV and saying, they're here. Creepy kids talking to things that aren't there. Weird. Yeah, pretty much. I feel like what? that's going to come up again. No, pants on, pants on. We already <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> that last scene. Anyway. It's number two. Yep. Uh, also, I'm sorry if I seem to be talking over you guys more. Please tell me to shut the hell up if I am. My number two is Event Horizon. Ooh. All right. I like Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, and if that sounds familiar, Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Written by Philip Eisner. Oh, yeah. yeah, starred Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill as the two big parts. Yep. And oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It is a train wreck of a, of a horror film in the best way, in that oh my god, everything happens to everyone. That like, no one movie. escapes that good. No. Yeah. That was a freaky movie. Yep. The basic premise is uh, a ship called uh, a spaceship called the Event Horizon, uh, which is sent to test basically faster than light travel, warping to other galaxies. Yeah. But on its main voyage, it disappears. Seven years later, it pops back up in the orbit of Neptune. I want to say. I think so. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, hey, what the hell happened? We need to find out. So, basically, a Merc crew. I don't know if they're actually specifically with anyone or if they're just kind of whatever, a, rec- a like retrieval unit. Along with Sam Neill's character, Dr. Warner, who yeah. uh, helped build the, the warp drive for the Event Horizon, go and find it. And then creepy shit happens. Yeah, pretty much. If anybody listening has ever played or heard about Warhammer 40k, a lot of players of that game, of that tabletop game, treat Event Horizon as a pretty good uh, movie idea of the beginnings of Warp Drive in there. Because shit, it's gothic horror architecture that goes to hell. Literally, and comes back, and everybody's dead. Yeah. Doctor Werner gets basically hypnotized by the ship to try and condemn the new crew to hell with with him, and it just starts going downhill from there. It's got so many good shots. Just and just the fact of they get a distress beacon that had been sent. I don't know if it's while they were in wherever they were or not, but it's scrambled. There's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of blood and everything. And you just hear, uh, like, uh, uh, liberate, uh, something. It's uh, something Latin. And, and one of the guys who can often, Jason Isaacs, actually, mm-hmm. uh, decodes it as like, uh, free me or, or like that, hmm. something like that. And then when they find the full thing, Everyone's gone insane. Everyone's covered in blood because they're cutting themselves with barbed wire and shit. And the the actual captain has taken his eye out, eyes out, very similar to the pale man, and is just saying at the at the screen something a little different from what was translated, and that it's free uh, free yourselves from hell, hmm. or like that. And the second Lawrence Fishburne's character sees that, he's like, "All right, everyone, we're leaving." Just instant nopes. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent instant nopes out of this. Pro- out of this, 
Unfortunately, by this point, Sam Neill's character has gone schizo and blows up the escape uh, the escape uh, ship, hmm. which is such a sad scene because you see the, uh, the the pilot of that ship who had worked so damn hard to fix it find the bomb, and he just sighs. He just sighs so dejectedly yeah. and just closes his eyes. It is so heartbreaking. And at the end of it all... Uh, Fishburne's character sacrifices himself to take out Werner. Maybe. <laughs> because at this point, Werner has, has gotten spaced and is suddenly back and looks like a Cenobite. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. cuts and everything. He's bald. And he's got super strength. And just ex- he explodes the two of them, jettisoning the only two, sur- the only two or three survivors of, the, of, of his crew. And yet, when they when they're woken up by another rescue crew from from like uh, deep sleep, uh, the woman kind of goes crazy because it seemed like it shows a scene of one of the rescue guys opening up, and it's Samuel's character back, and it's like you're never leaving, and then it zooms out with the doors of the event horizon seemingly closing by themselves, hmm. and then cuts to black, and it's like. Okay, did all that actually happen and they're not free? Is it all in her head? What? <laughs> and like I said, just the gothic horror architecture. The absolutely disturbing amount of stuff that happens. A guy gets eviscerated and you see him hanging on meat hooks. It, it, he, was evis- he, was, he was disemboweled while alive, too. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It was a good movie. I liked it. Been a long time since I've seen it. It wasn't critically well received either, from what I remember. No, no. A lot of horror isn't though. I found horror that's, is extremely subjective. So that—that's the worst part too. There was another half hour of both backstory and even more terrifying things yeah. that the studio told uh, Anderson. It's like, no, no, you're cutting all that. Yeah. And he did, but we're never going to get director's cut because everything they stored uh, is worthless. So we are never going to get a, a full director's cut, which makes me sad. All right, then. <laughs> Creepy laugh to Betty. Uh, all right, then, Devin, what's your number two? Uh, my number two. Uh, first off, my slasher number two is uh, Halloween 2018, the Halloween that came out last, last year. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I just generally... Really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really solid Michael Myers film. What with Jamie Lee Curtis going insane with the shotgun? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you might notice that a lot of mine uh, buck the trends of most of the. Well, that's when they're and, good. Yeah, they. I like like your next was the whole thing about the well, the final girl actually turning and beating the shit out of people. Uh, New Nightmare is all buck the trend. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four is ultimately the final survivor fights back. So. You know, that's my slashers I like when the, they buck the trends and you'll find out why in my number ones. But my number two horror of all time is Let the Right One In. Yes, why am I, I not going to make your list. <coughs> well, Swedish horror movie directed by Thomas, Al- Thomas Alfredson, uh, starring Kale Hedebrandt and Lita Lee Anderson as uh, Oscar and Ellie. Uh, this is another one where I wanted to put the remake, but I really don't like the remake. It's funny you mention it. I was actually watching Let Me In just before I came over here. Yeah. I had a lot of problems with it. 
Why the hell is it set in El Paso, Texas? Wait, and why what? is it snowing in El Paso, Texas like yeah. it is? That makes so, no sense ever. What? For those of you who don't know the story of Let the Right One In, uh, it follows a, a young boy named Oscar. Yeah, Oscar, and it's like, I don't even care what the remake calls him, but um, we're strictly the Swedish version. Yeah, that'll be easier. Yeah. Um, Oscar's a young boy, probably 12 I think so, some 10 to 12, thing. somewhere in that range. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, but quiet guy, kind of a kind of a weirdo. 12 years, 8 months, 9 days. Okay, very specific like what? That. I think that's actually his line. Yeah, something like that. Huh, okay. But um, he he's bullied a lot in school. Um, this whole story is based on a book by Jean Ajvide Lindquist, who's very much the Stephen King of Sweden. <laughs> um, very much. He's one of my favorite, if not my favorite author. Uh, he, Oscar's bullied a lot. And he never fights back. Uh, so much so that he's in his room, like, with a knife going, squeal, you pig, quoting the, the, the bully that bullies him. Um, and he ends up befriending a girl that moves in next door. Uh, a girl named Ellie. E-L-I. That comes in later. Yep. And if you've read the book, you know that story, and most people that read the watch the movie don't. That's something they vaguely cut out, but they didn't, so, yeah. Anyway, the, uh, turns out that Ellie is not who you think she is. She's actually a vampire. But the way they introduce the fact that she's a vampire is not like, oh, she's a vampire, see my fangs and all that. She is a 12-year-old girl-ish, stuck, stuck as a 12-year-old girl forever. It's a and is living in up, like, northern Sweden where they have really long nights. You get why I'm asking why El Paso? Uh, yeah. Michigan would make more sense. Yeah, no, or... Maine or anywhere in Alaska. How are you doing 30 days of night? Jesus. Right. But anyway. So anyway, she's she only comes out at night. You know, they they make a point of her uh her like father figure, um, Hakan, goes out and murders people and drains them of blood, and then you don't know what he does with the blood. So there's just scenes of him like killing somebody, hanging them up, and then draining their blood, and then someone coming by and him freaking out running away and then forgetting the blood and her then yelling at him where where is it where's the blood and that's when you kind of realize oh shit she's actually a vampire but because she's a 12 year old girl she can't go out and kill somebody because she's not that strong so he's doing it for her and is collecting blood so anyway they end up befriending each other and she convinces him to fight back against the bully and he beats up a bully which then or hits the bully with a stick severing part of his ear and it then turns that now the bullies are coming after to kill him, and then she goes after the bullies. But at the same time, Hakan gets caught and kills himself, covers himself with acid that burns away his face. And it's this, it's more of like this almost gothic romance between the two. And when you find out that Ellie is actually short for Elias. And is a young boy that was castrated by his previous master. It's like, oh shit, okay. Well, there's a storyline you didn't expect. And it's it's all like obviously she is trying to manipulate him to become the next Akan. Yeah, that's the part that always kind of it's like, oh and my it wow. twists 
like so many times and one of the most famous and popular scenes is when she shows up to save him from the bullies that are drowning him and it's just a shot of him underwater um like being held down and then all of a sudden the hand up twitches and then falls into the pool and there's a head that drops and a body that drops and just all this and it's like all this really subtle and all of the gore and violence is hidden except from the hand that falls they imply everything they show nothing yeah which can sometimes be the best thing yeah it is such a well-made movie it is it is not a fast-paced movie it's not it is an extremely slow-paced movie it's on my list, though. I it is that. so to, to watch. Good. It, is, it a, is so good. It is a really, really good movie. I've enjoyed it since the first time I saw it. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I came into it halfway through, and I think it was, like, the second interaction he has with her. Yeah. And he's, like, kind of unsure about what's going on. And then, um, like, he's like, oh, I've got, I, I think it was, like, some sort of toy or something that he left for her. Uh, uh, he gives her... Like Rubik's cubes and like yeah, like and I know in the Let Me In the American version it's a Rubik's cube, and it's a Rubik's cube in the original as well. They okay. didn't. I, I couldn't remember. It's been a while. No, oh, that they chose not the to American mess with. remake. The thing about the Swedish version is it's extremely subtle, and like when there's a scene, the most famous scene in the movie, other than maybe the pool scene, is let the the idea is is Let Me In. Because she needs to be invited in. Yeah, the old vampire thing. Yeah, you can't that's walk like the to, one thing that they... You have to be invited stay. into the house. You have to be invited in or else you start bleeding. And Oscar is a little bit of a dick. And she... Can I come in? It's like, what happens if I don't? Or, you know. And then, like, he's kind of toying, not saying, come on in. And then, like, is beckoning her in and she just goes, Fine. And walks in and then just starts bleeding from her, like, hairline. Her eyes pop and, like, start bleeding. Her ears pop and start bleeding. Her mouth starts bleeding. Her nose starts bleeding. And, like, you see parts of her, like... She's wearing, like, a white shirt and her, like, body starts bleeding. Of course. Like, old cuts and bruises and stuff start reappearing and it's bleeding down into her shirt. And, like, down her legs and her hands and her, like, fingernails start bleeding. And he's just... Holy shit! No, you can come in. You can come in, and like, like, like all of a sudden realizing, oh my god, this is actually real. And the American vert, and like, this is all just done super subtly and quietly. Like the pores on her skin just start opening slightly and bleeding, and uh, basically the way it should be done. It's done in a way that's like, this is a vampire, but it's not like I'm showing you off. Whereas the American version. <laughs> She starts twitching, and she starts, like, glitching, and, like, oh, my God, I'm injured. Ow, ow, you know, I, they sell it, and they, like, are trying too hard, and then she starts bleeding, and it's like, hmm, okay. Right. Or, like, when Oscar cuts his hand and, like, offers some blood, and she freaks out and, like, starts licking the floor. In the, Amer- in the Swedish version, she's licking the floor. In the American version, she has, like, a, a lizard tongue. It's like hell yeah. is this crap, you know? Yeah, okay. And the the American version does have a really cool shot. Uh, the director, Matt Reeves, is pretty good, but I believe it's Matt Reeves. It might be Drew Goddard, but um, it was a well-done shot that shows Hakan trying to take someone out of the car. It was good, but one it shot, doesn't make up for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my number two, uh, Let the Right One In, in my top five of all time, period, so. 
I it's on my list. I will I will say that to watch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, it is way up there for me. So my number one is uh, from 1980, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd. Uh, it's The Shining. Yeah, it's almost like I predicted that one. Right. Um, and it's about a uh, guy who um, wants to do some wants to be a writer. And he, in order to make money and do this, uh, have the time to try his hand at writing, ends up becoming the caretaker for a... Um, Overlook Hotel. For the Overlook Hotel, which is in the mountains of Colorado and becomes incredibly isolated every year and shuts down for the winter. So they have a living caretaker. Um, so he brings his family along. His son has uh, psychic abilities and starts getting premonitions of... Uh, some freaky shit going down at the hotel and of what might happen if they go there and or that kind of had thing. happened or had happened yeah the twins or... yeah <laughs> uh, he, yeah he's getting all these visions and things and there's stuff coming through um, and it shows the breakdown of like that very isolationist feel that'll happen the cabin fever that will set in <laughs> Quite when you're cut off from other people um, and, uh, it's a really cool film. Um, they do a lot of really cool shots, uh, involving, like, one of my favorite scenes is when, um, you have Jack Torrance played by Jack Nicholson walking through the hotel and all of a sudden he hears music playing in, uh, all of a sudden he hears music playing in one of the ballrooms and he goes to investigate and he walks in and it's just filled with people from like the 1920s or 30s in a black tie affair. And they're all dancing and partying and having a good time. And he walks up and he's being served at the bar by the, this one of the old caretakers, actually. Huh. Um, who had offed his family. Yeah. Uh, and... The hotel is trying to get him to do that to his family. Um, the thing yeah, is, is the... The, sh the, the hotel is the possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah the hotel possesses him versus anything else. And the interesting is thing is, is um, the story, again, me being the guy who likes the background of things, um, was based off of a stay that Stephen King had at the uh, Stanley Hotel in Colorado. Um, however, because uh, he stayed in room 3 or 217 or 216, something like that. The name of, you mean the one that has the, the girl in it? The girl in it, yeah. 237. 237, yeah. Um, he stayed in that room when he was actually there and had some stuff happen to it him. It was 217 in the book. So yeah, yeah it's 217. 237 in the movie. Yeah, it's 217. Um, he had some stuff happen to him in there uh, while he and his wife stayed at the hotel. And then he was like, well, this is interesting. And when he left, he brought it up with uh, the front desk person. They're like, yeah, that, that room's known for being haunted. And he's like, all right. I can work with So <laughs> he ended up writing The Shining based off of that experience. It was like his third, third or fourth book he ever wrote. Yeah. Carrie, now, 
carry Salem's Lot and Shining, I think, are his first three. Yeah. Wow, and, power moves. Right? <laughs> All three. And oh, yeah. uh, he, uh, the movie itself was actually not shot at the Stanley Hotel. <laughs> For obvious reason. Um, it was actually shot at another nearby hotel. Um, and, which I can't remember the name of offhand. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not and, Stanley. <laughs> right, and the... The story behind the actual Stanley Hotel is an interesting one to begin with, but uh, like I said, I really liked the story behind this one. The scenes with the twins and the blood pooling and flowing down the hallway. Um, anybody who's seen Ready Player One yeah. uh, knows... <laughs> Best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, knows about that. Uh, it, it's a really cool scene. Um, and then, of course... Uh, I like scary movies. <laughs> right. And then, of course, there's a scene where uh, Jack Torrance is cutting through the bathroom door Ugh. with the axe uh, to get to his wife uh, and Dan and his son Danny. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and one of the biggest showcases of why Kubrick is a dick. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, Shelley Duvall going up the stairs. 127 yeah. takes of her trying to swing a bat at. Uh. Nicholson. They got it within the first couple too. Didn't oh yeah, they? and he just used like the seventh or eighth shot. He yeah. was just being an asshole. Yeah, it's like that's the biggest case for him just being a massive cockhead. Yeah, yeah, Stanley Kubrick's one of those that I have a lot of respect for him as a director, but not as a person. He was an ass. Like he was a phenomenal director. I'll give him all the credit for that. But the guy was a jackass. He couldn't compromise, or rather, he's he, no, he, he had that arrogance. He was like. Yeah, he was a great director, and he knew it, which was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm more, I'm more with the guy who knows he's a who, who who's a great director, but kind of tries to downplay it a bit. Yeah, like someone like Spielberg yeah. knows he's a great director, knows that everyone thinks he's a great director, but also knows that it's the crew he knows works with. that it's the people he surrounds himself with that are the reason he does anything. Yeah. And that's why I have a lot of respect for Spielberg and uh, why he why he does and, generally really good yeah. movies. Is that he yeah, doesn't actually, try. he teamed up with Kubrick to finish uh, AI after Kubrick died. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, um, but yeah, so uh, those are some of the, my favorite parts of the whole film, mm -hmm. and then they're also the most iconic. Um, mm -hmm. And then, again, like I said, the background behind all of it is just insane to think, to actually like read about and hear about. I so. like all the stuff with the, uh, the very, very subtle nods to the Indians being taken over by the British. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. And the how Dick Halloran, the the groundskeeper like mm -hmm. guy, he dies pointing at two things. All the cans that are perfectly aligned, but then after Jack Nicholson goes crazy, they're all out of whack and just yeah. all that kind of stuff. He particularly chose to do all that in yeah. very specific ways, and that's the kind of stuff that I I have credit. I I give credit detail to. oriented that most people yeah. would just kind of glance over, but when you go back and look. Yeah, there's everything to yeah, look for. Yeah, he's extremely his attention to detail and like progression and accuracy and all that is perfect. So. Yeah, and the way things like I agree. subtly change and show that like breakdown of like the character's psyche as they're going through things and being this normally pretty well adjusted person to being complete complete off, completely off the reservation uh, is really cool. I will say I only really know it from references other shows and movies have done to it, most notably the Simpson episode. Oh, yeah, that's why you said the Shannon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the one that I think most everyone knows if they haven't seen Shining. 
That's the one everyone knows. Everyone knows the twins. Everyone knows the blood elevator. They know here's Johnny. Yep. That's been they might how many they times. might know the the um, hedge maze. They might know the hedge maze. They might know that and the red to- rum. Yeah, everyone knows red rum. They might know the moving topiaries from the book, which I thought yep. was a cool. Because Jack goes so insane that he thinks that the topiaries are moving. Yep. They are. <laughs> Danny thinks the topiaries are moving, so maybe they are. But we mentioned uh, uh, earlier about him growing up to be um, in Doctor Sleep, which I'm curious to see that one because it was just cast. Ooh, Ewan McGregor ooh. is an older, uh, really Danny Torrance. He like, is a ooh. good. I'm actor. I'm in on that one now. I'm super interested. I'm curious to see what they do. I like but, McGregor. He's but we'll see when that comes out. I'm really, not sure. Yeah. That's somewhere in the future. No, that's an, that's a good pick though. So what's your number one? Uh, shouldn't be any surprise to either of you two, especially you, Devin. My uh, number one is John Carpenter's The Thing. Yep, not surprised. Yep, not at all. Oh yeah. Like I said, like it said in like it says in the name, directed by John Carpenter, star the big names being Kurt Russell and Keith David. At least nowadays, those are the big names. It's got it's got a good amount of others, and they all do superb. The biggest thing I actually want to take a point to talk about is the people who did the practical effects, because yeah. holy shit, they yeah. still hold up today. I can't remember the dude's name. Ross Bowden. Yeah, Bowden. Yep, Rob Bolton. Yep. Here's the thing, though. He 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 was like 21 when he did it. He worked himself to double pneumonia and exhaustion. He also goes to Halloween. Yeah, he had the original the hospital. And the thing is, while he was in the hospital, like while he was recovering and still had to finish everything out, he got the help from Stan Winston, mm-hmm. another pretty big oh, name. Stan Winston, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, Winston didn't want any credit because it's like, no, it, it's Rob's movie. I want him to get the credit for yeah. it. Especially because he did so much detailed work. Yep. Like, uh, Carpenter was actually worried about it would look like a guy in a suit, like Alien did at the end. And he was so worried about that until he saw uh, some of uh, Bowden's stuff. Specifically, <laughs> the head that get, grows crab legs and starts mm-hmm. walking off. He saw that, it's like, oh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And it is. It is a movie about, what was it, 10 guys? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around ten guys in Antarctica, where it's just about to start the the winter season. So they're going to get no help from the outside, and then a dog that's not really a dog shows up, and everything goes to pot. Yeah, that is that is the basics of it. And what's funny is that if you know Norwegian, you were spoiled in the beginning. Because the the guy that's shoot that's trying to shoot at the dog who gets one right in the head is basically shouting, in actual Norwegian, that's not a dog, it's a thing, kill it, yep. and he gets capped because he's shooting randomly and yelling Norwegian, so they're obviously going to do it in self defense. Yep. <laughs> and that's then, one thing the uh, the prequel that they made not so long ago with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, two thousand eleven. Actually, thing. is pretty decent. The biggest complaint I have with it is the CG used. They yeah. didn't need it. They relied they had, too heavily on CG. They had some practical of it works, effects. Some of it they had practical effects. I think the one you're thinking of is the head cracking in half. Oh uh, God, the, that was creepy. The girl, I thought, was pretty well oh. done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly. I thought she talking. was pretty well done. Yeah, but like some of those effects are creepy as shit. Like oh. I said, <laughs> the the head cracking one, it cracks realistically, mm-hmm. and that's not cool. 
Yeah. But the first one, it it's just so much going right for it. Yeah. And just the fact that when it first came out, it was panned. Critics hated it. Audiences didn't like it. Because And then they caught on. Yeah. Yeah. Well Roger it's Ebert. It's also a remake. No, it's not. Uh it is. It is not. The first one, it's from the same source material, but uh, Carpenter didn't really take anything yeah, from Think From Another World, which he loved. It is not a remake of it. <laughs> I know why you said that, because I thought that too. Yeah. But uh, anyway, as I was saying, everything in it from the first moment where you realize that that dog actually isn't a dog, it just gets ramped up because, yeah, it's kind of the... Th- Kind of the factor, like, when you have an alien where you never really see the creature, but you do, or rather, you should I should say, you never see its real form, if it even has a real form. But a lot of it's shot in daylight, or bright areas. Yeah. And at the time, it was lambasted because, like, all these characters are idiots. Why aren't they doing this? Why are they doing this when they're supposed to be smart people? But the paranoia that builds throughout it makes it so understandable. And I think one of the best shots of that is just when uh, <laughs> the thing that got that is becoming Bennings is caught. One of that scenes everyone knows. You've got the guy, the bald guy, kneeling in the, uh, in the snow. Hands that are just like giant mutated fingers. And he just opens his mouth and this sound comes out. It is not human. Is not anything. It's just a sound. Yeah. Wide-eyed, and it's just every time it just sends that little bit of a shiver down my spine. I yeah, I'm fully on board with you on that one. The music, uh, Enrico Marconi or something like that. I know he did Hateful Eight, but Ennio Morricone, Morricone, something like that. that, But yeah, it's like he did a phenomenal job with the soundtrack too, because it opens up with like a heartbeat. In synth, and it's just amazing. Yeah. Kurt Russell almost uh, also almost killed himself <laughs> at the end when he's throwing dynamite. That's actual dynamite. Yeah, and he's getting blown back. No, he did. He misjudged it, and he's getting that is Kurt Russell getting blown back by dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> almost killing himself. <laughs> There's so many different things about that, like the set that they fi- where they find the Norwegians, where they go to the Norwegian set and they find it just bombed out. That is the the American outpost just after they fucked it up. <laughs> so, well, John Carpenter is just like a master at low budget, reuse everything. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, why should you have to get rid of something if it's still perfectly good to use for something else? Yeah, and everything about that movie is just so well done. There's a couple points where the special effects kind of fail nowadays, but it's like two moments that I can think of. And they're brief ones. Ones when uh, Windows gets thrown around like a rag doll. Yeah. That you can very easily tell it's a doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that, if you watch anything where uh, one of, like a tentacle's wrapping around something, it's kind of in that fast pace because they wrapped it and then they unwrapped it and then just shot in reverse. Yeah. So yeah. there's a couple points where it fails, but on the whole, nope, it is beautifully done. Yeah, it is really impressive. And like Alien, like a couple others, it holds up to this day. I will easy, I can easily put that on in the background, watch it a dozen times, and still find it enjoyable every time. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was a good movie. 
All right, Devin. What's your number one? Uh, well, well, first slasher. off, my favorite slasher is Scream. Wes Craven again. Uh, Good one. It just... So this will be my theme for the final two here. Uh, it takes the horror tropes and decides to completely screw them by specifically telling you the horror tropes and then shooting them in the foot. <laughs> or stabbing them, as it were. Or stabbing them, or giving you every single monster you ever wanted. But anyway, Scream, I love the fact that they... It's a bunch of people that have watched horror movies still making the same stupid mistakes. <laughs> that just makes me yeah. laugh. Uh, it takes all the horror tropes and then gives them to you and then does them all. I just think it works. That being said, my number one is Cabin in the Woods. Not surprising. Mm -hmm. Not okay. surprising. You can't color me surprised. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. It gets predictable when it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it well, we takes all of the horror tropes and then does them all while stabbing every single one of them. Well, the part I and like it about works. it is that it justifies the stupid tropes yeah, and in, like, the best, in the best we should stick the top together, kind of way. We should stick together, work fast. Okay, okay, nope, I can fix this. Oh, I love Matt. Richard Jenkins. Work. I Flip. love Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford's characters. They, they, they bounce off each other so well. The two of them bounce off each other really well with, uh, is it Amy Acker? I think so. Yeah, I think Amy Acker plays the, the chem department, Lynn from the chem department. Yeah. I think the three of them bounce off each other really well. I love the the point out of the whore, the fool, the virgin, the scholar, and the athlete. Mm -hmm. I love those five horror tropes because it's in every damn movie. And after I've watched all the slashers that I have in the last year. You're really finding it. I'm like, oh my god, every one of these does have a whore that has sex and then dies. Every one of them has a scholar that tries to outthink the killer and then dies. The athlete does some macho shit and dies. The virgin maybe dies. The pothead dies doing something stupid. It's like every one of them. It's like Jesus Christ. Well, the virgin depends. Do they the decide to no longer become a virgin? Because yeah. then if they're they no die. longer a virgin, they die. If they are still a virgin, they don't die. Or they might die, but usually they don't. It's also the funny, uh. the funny part that they... they <laughs> They chose uh, for for the slut and the virgin in this one. They chose <laughs> the slut was the one who's in a dedicated relationship, and the virgin is the one who was having an affair with the teacher. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. But again, that's the joke. Yeah, virgin, virgin. I, I'm not. We work with what we have. <laughs> I like the idea that this is a a yearly tradition, and it's like you look at this was right around the time of like the Friday the Thirteenth remake, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. The Halloween Rob Zombie remakes. Oh, yeah. They all come out all the those, same time of the year. All They're those all Rob Zombie movies. pretty crappy. They're all like uh, the My Buddy Valentine 3D remake. Oh, it all so falls in a tired, stupid kind tired of Tired tropes. And they point out that this is how they sacrifice it to giant evil gods. These are the, the throwing a virgin in a volcano. To the old ones. Yeah. And it's I love the fact that they just say this is the ritual we do the same thing every year because that's what they want well i also like that they implied that uh, for every other for every mm -hmm. country because it's a whole it's a worldwide thing that every culture has its own specific tropes that it yeah, uses Buenos Aires, uh, yeah, it shows some, it shows the japanese one the japanese and it's all a bunch of schoolgirls. it's like i oh! i love that scene where the japanese girls fuck up and well, fuck no. you! <laughs> fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! It is <laughs> fucked us. It is a very. I love that. It is a very yeah. entertaining. Film. Yeah, it's the movie itself is just such a well done, 
Like, they show you all the horror tropes. They do all the horror tropes. They stab every horror trope in the back. They make fun of it. They, yeah. they rewrite then it. Then they get it, you near the end. They're like, well, I want to see all the other horror things. And then they show you all the other horror mutants. That the, shot of just the, uh, the, the doors the opening. and well, well, that, yes. But also, I'm talking about the giant cubes. Where oh, yeah, you and all see the, the all the monsters and, she, as a, and, and the, the woman just she's just screaming, slamming yeah. against the glass as case. A, as a player of Left 4 Dead, I love that there's all the Left 4 Dead references in there. I wish we got that campaign. That would be such a cool thing, but that was caught last minute. God damn it! But, it, but yeah, yeah the, everything about that it's it's a love letter slash satire of it's the basically saying we need to change horror, and they to, did. Yeah, we need we need yeah. to ramp this. My top we need two to, here. Scream and Cabin in the Woods are two of the most influential horror movies up there with like The Thing and Shining and Conjuring lately. They're the two that have basically said these are the problems with horror movies. We need to fix them. And, and immediately after Scream, you get a bunch of pretty decent slashers, like uh, the ones that are a little bit more aware of what's wrong with slashers. They fix it. Cabin in the Woods has given you a bunch of pretty damn good horror movie sense that don't fall into the tropes or have the tropes and then play with them. Like your next very much plays with the trope no, of the, the final was, girl. Well, another one I can think of is actually final girls. Final girls. Yeah. That was a fun little, run. that was a fun little horror movie that, you know, does the same thing, just not as well as cabin in the woods. did. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no cabin in the woods also has those like those small little moments of like, I'm going to fit this like, reference to this in here that you're never expecting. Yeah. It's and then you a... see it and it's and the beautiful thing is it's like as you said it changed everything. Yeah. Um and going to see it cuz I didn't see it until maybe like a year or so ago. Yeah. And going to see it I thought it was very refreshing. Yeah. To see versus what I normally was used to and I was like you know, I keep hearing great things about this movie from Devin. Yeah, I should yeah. probably see it at some well, point. What's What's good about it is, that, like you're saying, it's like uh, the first, I'd say, third of the movie establishes that these are not stupid people. Yeah, each and one through, of them are in college, like yeah. like for honors and that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like the athletes, uh, what a chemistry major, something like that. Something yeah. Like that. yeah. Political science major or something like that. They are not yeah. stupid. The people. Virgin is like reading bringing books to read at school and the whore like they point out like why is she acting like such a dumbass she's pre-med yeah and that's like, the thing it's like they have all this and they do have moments where their actual personality shines, shines through like Hemsworth Hemsworth's character yeah, yeah. who's the uh, who's picked as the jock it's like okay we need to stick together get through this yeah. They and they actually have to say oh damn it flick the thing gas him it's like Oh, we have to go to our rooms, have a sleep in. And it's like, they No, they justi- this is wrong. We should split up. Yeah, it's like, they justify. What? They justify that. I love that yeah. the fool, uh, the... Marty? Marty? Stone, yeah, Marty the stoner, constantly is like, that makes what kind of sense? What's wrong with you Wh- guys? Why would we do that? Like, he's pointing like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? And I love that they point it out. And then like, what the hell's wrong with this guy's pot? He's supposed to be drooling, and he's, and he's like almost breaking us. He's paranoid. He's become paranoid because of, it's no, like his pot was like laced with something. Well, it, whatever it, it, it was, counteract, it was it counteracting counteract. all of their shit, yeah. and, and they were pissed about. It. But it's like yeah. it's so 
It's so good. It, yeah. Although to talk about to talk about your slasher film one, Scream is legitimately disturbing at times. Yeah. yeah. The the best one I can think of is right at the end where uh, the okay, guy you I can remember, stab me. I never remember the guy's name, but he he played he played Shaggy in the live action one. Matthew uh, Lillard. Thank you. My, my parents are gonna be so and mad. And then he's answering the phone all like he flips <laughs> in a second, yeah, and it yeah. is disturbing to watch. Yeah. He's a great. That actor. was his yeah. breakout role too. Yeah. Not surprising. He did damn good in it. Now I I have to admit that's probably one of my favorite roles that he's ever played. Um, and he does, as you said, such an amazing job. Uh, the whole cast for that movie was just really good. Um, I really like Scream. I'm glad that made your list. Yeah, for it, the special that could have been up in my my top two, but um, could have been up instead of like Tucker and Dale. But well, definitely in my special slasher film. You might as well. Okay, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I, do that. I kind of wanted to do slashers because like a lot of mine, I don't. Kevin Lewood's is definitely a horror, but at the same time, it no longer scares me. Uh, Let the right one in is not really a horror. Twenty eight days later is kind of more of an action at times than a horror. And the Tucker and Dale's a comedy, and the Raw is like mostly a drama. So it's mine is I needed to give you a slasher list. Like here's the dumb versions of horror movies. Let's move on to this better horror. Movie. So I love how ours a little more a little different too. Yeah. It's like yeah. I I uh, once again I probably have the most actiony ones, but even then I've st- you know Pan's Labyrinth and Event Horizon they've got action. Yeah. But they've also got that sci-fi like horror. Film. Yeah, yours horror. more is like a sci-fi body horror type. That's what, yeah. and that's what because me. Yours is more cerebral. Yeah, so this is almost cerebral, all so supernatural. Hauntings. Yeah, yeah, hauntings. Whereas mine is almost all subversions and like dumb action stuff, <laughs> like dumb slashers. Mine's kind of all over the fucking place. Yeah, my kinda. slashers are just slashers, period. I know. <laughs> but then my like actual main five, I have a, I mean, I have a French cannibal movie. I have a, I have a. A horror comedy. I have a zombie-ish movie. I have like a vampire love story, and then Cabin in the Woods, whatever the hell you'd call that. Another action-ish com or a horror comedy. So it's what? like mine are just all over the place. So yeah. speaking of that, is our that that is all of our top five. Yeah. Uh, do we have any honorable mentions? I have a yeah, couple. I have a couple. Um, why don't you run? Why don't you just run through them all, Tom? All right, cool. So my honorable mentions um, are The Ring. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it came out in 2002. I, I have to point out, Ringu is also really damn good for those that want to yeah, see it. Yeah, even creepier version of I, Ring. Well, I Japanese was really going good. to Ooh. say um, Ringu and Ring, I was tying in yeah, as one right. as an honorable mention. Rising? Because, it, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Jesus, some of those are creepy as shit. Um, those contortions don't work. Now, right. the next one on my list for honorable mentions, um, I'm only going with the original version, um, not the remake. Uh, House of Wax. Oh, well, you don't like Paris Hilton? Oh, okay. uh, no, but Vincent Price. There is something yeah. wickedly creepy about him that I absolutely love. Well, that's why he was yeah. always the bad guy. Yeah, well, I will say the remake isn't bad. It just isn't. It's awesome. not. Yeah. The 1953 House of Wax. Um, interview with a Vampire. Don't really think of it as a horror. Really? I was going to put it on my list, but I'm like, um, it it falls within that horror. Genre, sort of, but it hits more of like the drama. It is one of the life best. stories. It's one things. of the best vampire movies out there with Let the Right One In, What We Do in the Shadows, and Only Left Ones Left Alive. Yeah. Yeah. I play um, Man Rice for uh, Buffy. <laughs> well, uh, and then um, I have Get Out 
Get out to my list. Um, I like the, it, but it's not as good as... It's not one of the best I've ever seen. No, but, but it, it definitely was on my list because of the twists that are in there. Yeah. Right. Um, Halloween from 1978. It's on my, that's on my short list. I was trying to decide do I put that or the newest Halloween, but I think the newest Halloween is just really solid. Um, what gets me about this one is the fact that you don't really see any of the deaths. They're always mm-hmm. like implied. And you know that they happen because the characters are met, are said, oh, that person's dead. That's what Carpenter's really good at. But you never like fully see it, which is beautiful. Yeah. And then um, the last one on my honorable mentions, um, and it was a last-minute edition, um, is Legion. Oh, yeah, I remember Personally, that Personally, I hated Legion. Um, it had the parts that really I liked. Poorly made. It was an interesting take, but what was really... The ice Cream Truck Man? Uh, yeah. Ice Cream Truck Man and The Grandma. Doug Jones. Yeah. The, oh shit! That was the the grandma. Also, Ape Sapien. In that, when she flips and she starts climbing up the wall, bites and the guy's neck. Bites the guy's neck, and she, oh, <laughs> not gonna lie, that freaks me out every time I see it, and I'm just like, it comes out of nowhere. This is why you don't trust people oh. about random shit. And Got I like a my bunch three of ladies f- in the face. How you doing, Captain Marvel? Right. I like my, <laughs> I like my three foot bubble. And it, yeah, it, I very much got that vibe. I'm like, oh, oh I recognize this. <laughs> uh, I won't lie. I saw. I, I. I. Thinking back on it, I think like, uh, what if Umbridge were an abomination? <laughs> Why would that not surprise me? And <laughs> right. But anyway. So but yeah. That's, so that's that's my very short list of okay. honorable mentions. Because um, I tried to cut it down this week, so yeah. mine's a little bit longer, but most of them I just mine's gonna be short. Should we go ahead. you or me? Uh, uh, go, go ahead, James. All right, uh, my short list. One of them, uh, the Mouth of Madness, at the Mouth of Madness. Okay. that's the one that I think does the uh, the Stephen King thing better. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah, it again. I think it, yeah, Sam Neill. Sam Neill again. He, yeah. I enjoyed it. I have to say, it or no. Uh, the thing is very much a Lovecraft story. It is. Yeah. It is one hundred percent a Lovecraft story. Yeah. It's basically very, very it's basically the color out of space. Yeah. With uh, body horror. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one. Uh, the first saw. Okay. That's I thought on my was, short list too. Yeah, I thought it was really. I thought the well first done. one is good. Everything else was. Good. It goes. It goes too far in the body. Yeah. Horror. It goes too far in the body horror, and the editing is fucking terrible after the second. Yeah. Uh. There was, uh, this may pop up again soon, uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. It's on my list. It, Zack got, Snyder nailed it with Zack Snyder's, Zack Snyder's a competent director. He just when he's needs given, to get when out he's of given his genre. Yeah. yeah, he was very good. He did very, very well with Dawn of the Dead. I loved it. Yeah. And the last one is actually one I'd forgotten of for a little while, but uh, Dog Soldiers. The werewolf. the werewolf one. I just watched a short yesterday about Dog Soldiers. That is such a... That, it's horror, but because the military guys are fighting back so good, it's yeah. like you kind of laugh. My favorite yeah. part in it is when one of the soldiers he gets to the to the vehicle for everyone to get out. He climbs in, and then he just hears behind him. You don't see it just yet, but you just hear the growling from a werewolf behind him. He doesn't freeze. He doesn't do anything. He takes a quick breath or two, takes out his knife. You fucking want it, bastard! And just goes at him. Dying like a hero. And it's yeah. like, yes, I want that. 
it was so, so it was so it was refreshing. It was wonderful. They yeah. don't go out like like scared meek people. No, they go out like heroes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, my my short list. Uh, I mentioned Get Out or Get Out. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street One, the first one I thought was actually really well done. Yes. It doesn't hold up nearly as well as it should, but it's still pretty good. It's still really good. Yeah. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, it's a little bit more thriller, but that's kind of why uh, like, yeah. I thought about it. It's, like, like, it's a good one. Like but... it's very good, and it pops up on a lot of lists, so I I put it on here. I'd almost say like Red Dragon's a little bit of a better horror. Yeah, uh, I just think Silence of the Lambs no, is a better it, movie. It is very well done. Uh, the South Korean movie Train to Busan. I've heard of oh, it. I've heard of very, it. Very very well choreographed. Like not choreographed like a fight scene, but. It's a, a train heading from well blocked Seoul to Busan, and it's just yeah a really well blocked zombie movie, Ooh. like trying to get up out of certain train cars to get to other train cars, and the train's not stopped yet, and they're trying to get to other train cars, but there's zombies in ones and it almost reminds me of Snowpiercer. Really, yeah, it's similar to Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah. It's a really really well done zombie. Awesome. I've heard. Great movie. I've heard. Yeah, both. Uh, I really liked the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Surprisingly, I did I not get it, to see it. It I made to. Jason formidable it, instead of just this big lumbering idiot. He's actually like a hunter. That's the one that has uh, Jared Padalecki, right? I believe yes. so. Yeah, because I know he was in either that one or Nightmare, and I know he, I, I was almost was positive him. he was in yeah, third. That was him. Yeah, but I thought he that was one was actually really well good because Jason's fucking terrifying in that movie, as he should be. Like he actually chucks an axe and stuff. <laughs> like he just runs and he like full on like. Chucks an axe at someone. Like double hands handed. Back. Whoosh. Yeah, instead of like this, this big lumbering idiot like he is in the, the original series. So I actually really like the Friday the 13th remake. Uh, the Mist. Yep. Oh. I absolutely love The Mist. It's <clears throat> one of those that's like a really good bottle drama. Not going to lie. The and then I love the like ending. The original that for ending. The Mist. Or are you mm. talking about The Fog? The Fog, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's a slightly different one. That, that this is, is based on a Stephen King book. Yes. That ending, yeah. King wishes he had done that. Oh yeah, I love that ending. I thought it, that ending was great. It hurts my heart every time. Yeah. But oh I love that ending. God. It, I, I agree. It, it yeah. was so fitting. Uh, of the Dead remake, I already mentioned. Happy Death Day. I just think that's a really fun, <laughs> not really much of a horror movie, but I, I just think it's a really it's fun a good, movie. It's one of Groundhog Day yeah. did end with yeah. death. <laughs> uh, Halloween, the original. Alien, Shining. Uh, it. Yes. The new, okay. the oh, new okay. one. The old one to me is... Way too campy. The new one is actually really solid. Tim Curry's movie. good about a couple things. That yeah. wasn't one of his best. Andy Muschietti's It was really good. I'm really looking forward to the new one. Uh, the Evil Dead remake? Yeah, I thought yeah, it was no, actually what? really damn good. Like, the original is campy, and it's well, it was it's a not more a beat. good movie. I, I'd, say, uh, yeah. I'd say the original ones. Uh, Evil Dead 2 was the better. Yeah. Uh, of horror. Yeah, like, but it's still not a good movie. It's it's a bad movie. It's but a B it's movie good. that you enjoy yeah. because it's funny. But I thought the remake, holy crap. The remake, they, I didn't they see. Shot, they nailed I didn't that see all of God it. Damn. But what I did see terrified the shit out of me. The girl cutting the box cut or licking the box cutter? Ah. Oh. Or, or getting wrapped up in the barbed wire. Barbed wire. Uh, then the trees. The Hi, trees. girl who we decided to cut her own cheek off with a broken part of a mirror. It's oh. just... The fact that you don't see it, but you hear it. Oh. And, like, there's just so many... That sound is yeah, taunting. It's such a well-done movie. Uh, another one I have to mention, Green Room. I mentioned it last week. Just a really good movie. I want to see overall. that. Overall. And then a movie called Rabies, which takes place... I've heard of it. All in daylight. 
I think it's like Russian or Ukrainian or something, but it's all in Russian. Oh, I might have to uh, this out then. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they end up in a, a forest that has like landmines and like people hunting through trying to kill them. It's oh really good. God. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so don't quote me on that being the actual storyline, but it was very well, very done, very good, all shot during the day. And one of the few horror movies that actually is really good. Anyway, that's all my honorable mentions. Uh, <coughs> I could probably throw more on there, but whatever. I'm great. Right. So anyway, that was all of our horror films. Uh, this week, Us is coming out, which yes. looks cool. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. Um, what should we do for next week? The only movie coming out next week is Dumbo. Oh, at least of note. So as much as I would love to go animated again, let's not do that. Right. Uh, you know, I seem to recall them having a Dumbo before sometime yeah. in the 30s. Yeah. yeah, maybe remakes. Remakes would work. I was going to say, hey, Tim Burton, but... Yeah. Yeah. I love Tim Burton, but... And one or two of these will be on His my aesthetic list, is interesting. He doesn't... I, I don't agree with the, the directions he goes sometimes. Like, I think I he's like... like the he's a, Wonderland ones. Me neither. Visually, yeah. he's a great director, but... Absolutely. He has yeah. so many problems. So, yeah, uh, remakes. Oof, oof. That's remakes all. we like. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, it has to be our favorite remakes, not just putting shit on there just to make fun of it. No, no. But okay, if people, if a lot of people say it's bad, but you like it, that's a whole other issue, right? I can't use "Girl the Dragon" tattoo. I used that last week. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Mm. <laughs> I know it's gonna be a. I think it's gonna be a tough week for all of us. Um, I can think yeah. of a couple, but just yeah, because be of the tricky. simple fact that. Uh, there are so many remakes. Well, it's not even that. It's that and then a lot of remakes are like worse. Yeah, and yeah then most of the remakes are like. bad. Yeah. I mean, I can think of one that Departed. That's a remake. Uh, a lot yeah. of people know oh, that. Wow, yeah, it is. The original, the original was great. But the remake's just as good. So anyway, that's uh, the show for this week. Um, anything else we want to say before we do the close-up? No, I think that's about it for us. Go see movies. Yeah, go see more movies. So, anyway, for In the Can Podcast, uh, week five, if you're paying attention, uh, I am Devin. I'm Tom. I'm James. And you have a great week. Watch all the movies. Go see us. The movie Us, not us. (laughs) But we will be going to see us. The movie Us. Anyway, (laughs) nice long outro. Have a nice week. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.